Okay, we're gonna see. We're just gonna shoot again. Ready? Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Welcome. It only took us two tries. <laughs> Here we are, try number two. Ben, why don't you double check that recording? Yeah. Oh, 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 let's see, let's see. Yes. Yep, yeah, we're okay. recording. Okay. <laughs> hey, nice. We don't have to go for the third time's a charm. Yeah. yeah. Pull it off on the first one. Yeah, yeah. What were you saying about working out all the kinks in our production yeah. before having guests? Yeah. <laughs> Zero flaws, right? Yeah. yeah, I said I was glad I'm not on the first episode, but I'm honored to be the first guest. Yes. That way yes. you have all the kinks worked out, hopefully. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. How you doing? Good. 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 Had a good day so far, spending it with you guys. Yeah. Cool. Jogging around town and going to eat breakfast. Getting yeah. The, uh, getting that, what was that called? Irish? Irish Benedict. Irish, Irish Benedict. Benedict. Corned beef and hash. Yeah. Corned beef and hash on a I'm muffin. I'm confused. Was the, was the, I felt like there was potatoes in there. There was. was there was? Diced yeah. potatoes okay, so in the hash. corned beef hash. It's yes. Hash. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it was just straight beef <laughs> oh yeah corned beef with diced potatoes yeah, yeah, fried yeah. up makes sense yeah makes sense yeah can't go wrong it's pretty good though I'd yeah say. i really i'm always down for benedict yeah hollandaise all that stuff. is it paprika on top what i think so i think so, so. it's paprika yeah it's really I good spice it up kind of like bit. a on a deviled egg and the best glass of orange juice i've ever had that was fresh squeezed orange juice that was it was like orange it was like, orange. like an egg yolk yeah it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't simply orange it was something you pour out a container totally but. totally we are not sponsored by pegs right the cafeteria yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone go to pegs Pegs <laughs> send us money <laughs> we're listening yeah. the way the bartender though he set that down he was eyeing it he just the whole time he was just like is that, is, is that good for you guys like you wanted to drink it you know but cool man well hey i'm so glad you're here man um when we first were we you know we've done a few episodes by ourselves, right and the whole time you know gabe <laughs> gabe and i have, have had amazing talks and we always do right we're brothers right? sometimes come on no <laughs> well, <it's laughs> well, don't, don't leave it, them hanging it depends well it de- oh, oh, no but like i mean every episode i think is different it's it's a different experience because we're always going through different parts of our life, you know, our journey, you know. Yeah. And I think you know part of that is just both of us being brothers. Totally. Both of us being. We share similar backgrounds. Yeah. Both of us yeah. being brothers. Both of us being believers. But also like, it's weird. It's actually I'll just say this, Ben. Uh, like it's weird getting to know someone that you knew like a while back. Mm. It's mm. almost like you're relearning who they are. Totally. You know. And in your and my case, part of it was we were like not living together for a long time, you know, like you moved out, you know. Right. Um, and then I was gone at college, which it made it even bigger thing. But it's crazy how much people change just in general. Mm. And it's crazy how much the Lord changes people. Oh, my you know? gosh. How much you grow. No kidding. And transform. Yeah. And. You know, we kind of talked about it a lot a little bit too when uh, we were at the cafeteria, right? Like over time, like you get to know people. Oh, sorry. You're good, you're good. <laughs> you get to know people and then like after a while, like you think you know them and then you kind of have to re sort of like assess and like go on that. What What's the word? What, what, what would you call it? You know, like getting to know them again. I don't know. Sometimes I think you get so comfortable with somebody you think you know them but it's just kind of surface level or on one level and you kind mm. of stay there for a while. Yeah. But there, I feel like there's always farther to go, even with, you know, 
human to human, not talking our relationship with God, but people to people relationships. Mm -hmm. You kind of get comfortable where you're at and you just kind of stay there sometimes. Yeah, and like, I think it is an adventure though. Like you mm -hmm. said, like I I was so fearful growing up, like that I I, I saw like the dangers and everything. Is this not close enough? <laughs> you gotta for that monk. You gotta like really be. I close saw enough. the dangers. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. You're gonna have yeah, to edit good. that out. I saw the I saw the dangers and everything, but like, just hearing your story is cool because like it, it it helps me see the world more as an adventure um, like god's adventure mm, for us okay yeah. cool that's cool well yeah. i was just thinking just to backtrack a little bit i think it's also possible to live with somebody even so long and not really know them mm. you know what i mean oh my i think gosh. that's possible yeah. too you can if you're not intentional about the relationship i think it's possible to live with somebody and not really know who they are like mm. you i don't know it's kind of weird like it's, you knew who they were and you knew who they were when you met them but do you really know them? Were you really going? I don't know. There's just so much to drill down sometimes, I think, to dig into, yeah. into, into somebody as a relationship grows, which I honestly suck at. So, mm. <laughs> Well, I think especially for people who tend to be more kind of go with the flow, maybe, mm -hmm. or, um, I don't know, maybe less rigid. Um, sometimes like I, for me, like, for example, like I sometimes can view that stuff, even though my, one of my love languages is quality time, mm -hmm. you know, being one-on-one. -on -one, um, sometimes I just kind of, I play it so loose sometimes that intentionality gets lost, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and, and next thing you know, it's just like, you have the, just the surface stuff, you yeah. know? So yeah, really? going deeper. I feel like, I feel like. Pretty much every time that we've had like a hangout, we've pretty much always touched on the juicy stuff. <laughs> like, and, and I don't mind that. Like, and if I do, sometimes I do get uncomfortable talking about deep stuff. But I mean, I think that's natural. Um, and it, it just depends. You know, I guess. You got to drop boundaries. But like, I feel like you've been pretty good at that. If, oh. if that's been something you feel like you struggle with, I think the Lord's been really, what's the word? Like, growing that for you. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Greg, yeah, I want to get into because today is more or less about your story, right? You know, we tell we had the amazing opportunity this morning just to hear a little bit about kind of your background and stuff, but um, and and kind of what I touched on earlier was when we were thinking about this podcast and thinking about guests and stuff. I was thinking about oh. It'd be amazing to hear people's testimonies, you know, and like just how, yeah, yeah, just how God is is working, you know, because we I've seen things online with people's stories and whatnot, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Just to 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 experience it firsthand, to have it kind of be refreshed in our minds, you know, just seems to be, you know, yeah, just seems to to be amazing, an amazing thing. So. Yeah, why don't you? Would you be? Would you be down for that? Would you be down to share a little bit about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as much as absolutely. I would. Yeah. And, and my yeah. whole my whole goal in is like, I'm not like anything special. I don't have anything figured out. Mm. Really, I mean, it's just it's all God's grace, and mm. it's all what He's done for me in my life. So many people will. You know, and we'll get into this, but like, yeah. obviously, drug addiction is the is the big thing that this is what he delivered me from and so as people like well it's so good for you good for you you know and i'm like no you don't understand yeah. it's not good for me i didn't do this 
Like this was totally a free gift, mm. you know? Mm. So yeah, so that's my hope behind this um, is, is to point to him and, and, and how awesome he is and what he can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, to glorify yeah. Christ. You're not selling a book on no. how you my 10 <laughs> steps his book is coming out next yet. Yeah. <laughs> my, my 10 my 10 steps to be like me no it's yeah. like New York Times bestseller yeah. you know yeah. I was like no uh uh-uh. uh be uh, your best self I can barely I can barely write yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah well why don't you give us some background now because you know it, it was drugs right for you a lot of but um you I mean it was a long time like you said yeah. 25 years right yeah I mean, 25 years ish yeah off the yeah. top of my head roughly so um well i mean where do you want me to start do you want me to back up like my childhood like coming up just jump right i mean like 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 where yeah give us a little bit of background as far as like your family culture a little bit and sort of like what that was like kind of growing up i i had a great childhood like you know it's not one of those well i had this really rough childhood and my parents abused me and da 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 and that's why i went to drugs you know what yeah, i mean there's, there's yeah. nothing like that like yeah. you know um were your, were your parents believers or they were they were they were wow um dragged me to church i say dragged because by the time i got a little bit older i didn't really want to go mm-hmm. so yeah yeah my parents were believers like a typical um American white picket fence type Suburbs. childhood, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Out in the country yeah. in Lakeville, oh, in the country, um, okay. growing up, um, had everything I could have wanted in ground pool and three wheelers and toys to play on outside and oh. stuff like that. And uh, good parents said everything provided for me didn't ha- lack anything, you know, um, and that. And so growing up, going to church, they, they raised me in church. I didn't have a home where the word of God was taught in my home. It might've been talked about, but not really like sit down and discipled, Mm. but I, but I went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, you know, and that was just what we did. And in hindsight, now it feels like, like religious activity, but Mm. I was being exposed to truth and to the word of God and, and, and to that. And so, um, like as I got older into my early teen years, I'd say, I was like, you know, I don't really want this. And I thought it was like a, it started to seem kind of silly. Like I didn't see any power in it. It just seemed kind of fanatical and it seemed like a routine kind of a routine. And I didn't want to do it. And what I remember hearing growing up is like, um, I started hearing a lot of rules cause I started getting into, you know, getting older and now I'm noticing girls and, and, and I'm like, oh, you know, I want to have sex with girls. I want to do like, this. Like, I 12, do that. like 11, 12, 13 uh, ish, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And I kept hearing and, you know, I was like, I love music and I'm listening to this music. And I and I kept hearing like, well, you can't, you know, have sex till you're married. That didn't really make sense to me. And you can't you shouldn't listen to this kind of music. That's double music. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, that stinks because they're kind of telling me like I'm hearing like all these things that I'm interested in that I kind of want to do. Or like taboo kind of. Or taboo that I I shouldn't do. There's a lot of rules. A lot of rules. A lot of rules. A lot of rules. And that's the thing is like, it's like, I kind of, I feel that like growing up, I kind of like started having like these thoughts, but like not knowing how to express them. Like I felt sometimes like awkward talking about them. Okay. Like, oh, I don't know if I can ask my dad or mom about this. Is that kind of how it was for you or was it? Yeah. I always never really felt like I could could ask my mom and dad about it one time they gave me the birds and bees talk i'll never forget yeah. like they like my sister went away to grandma's or something and it was just me and mom and dad and they took me out to eat and they gave me a book 
might have been by like James Dobson or something that described how uh, sexual oh, intercourse went down. Here, read this. Oh, wait, they God. didn't even Here, like read this chapter. They, wait, did they not sit? They didn't sit down or anything. I well, we sat down at dinner, but I don't think we talked really about that. Oh. Then maybe about kind of like vaguely about the subject that they wanted me, and then they handed me a book to read. Right. Wow. I don't remember them actually explaining it, but the book did. It it makes you wonder like how they were like educated on it. Was it something that they also kind of just hit the ground running a little bit, and so that they, they kind of just learned? Oh, they'll they'll kind of figure it out, or maybe took a hands off. Yeah, I'm not know. sure, but I know by the time I already was well educated on yeah. what all that I mean totally. they, they were way yeah. behind the curve yeah. you know yeah. what I mean and, <laughs> well, you, well, and how much more so nowadays oh my gosh like, I know that's frightening I think the that average is, yeah that's frightening and, yeah. And, and by that time I had probably already had a stash of playboys under my bed or something hit you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it was already like you know it was kind of silly but I entertained it because I was being yeah. nice to my mom and dad yeah. you know what I mean so but yeah. and I read the, the book or the chapter it was just like one couple paragraphs just read this part <laughs> and it was like how physically this works yeah, and, yeah. Uh, of sex and I'm like yeah well, duh you yeah know? It's, like, <laughs> it's like they didn't like this book wasn't written hundreds of years ago yeah, but no. they knew how to do it so, you know? so anyways I'm not sure how we got there right away but anyways there's that and then so um see where was I headed well cause I kind so, of asked I kind of asked because based on my experience growing up it felt a little awkward but oh the rules were, and stuff I'm sure but you were yeah. talking about yes, the rules yes yes, yeah. yes. so so I'm going to church. I'm I'm being well churched and 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 I'm in a good church and um so I was like, you know, I don't really want this anymore. Like I want to go out and do other things and I didn't want to be to church and I'd go and and it was really there was a lot of uh praise and worship was really emphasized emphasized oh. and and there was a lot of speaking in tongues. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that always weirded me out. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know about that. So, yeah, you know, like, same. I don't know same. if that's real. Yeah or what's going on and there was always an interpretation and there was always this and i'm like man i because i can just say hippopotamus backwards too and jibber jabber and and what you know rattle off some stuff and 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 i always thought the praise and worship i'm like well i can go to any concert and get hyped up i can listen to music and get myself i thought it was just emotional getting into a frenzy kind of a deal and that's what it was i'm like yeah i don't want all that Mm. and i remember someone asking me at the time i remember exactly who it was but some peers of mine that were on my age at the church are like, well, don't you want Jesus? This is probably, I'm probably 14 or so now, I guess, 13 maybe. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, well, I guess everybody's really saying, you know, they want Jesus and talking great about who Jesus is. And I'm like, I guess I didn't really feel compelled, but they're convincing me that that's right. the way to go. I'm like, sure. They're like, okay, come on down front, pray this prayer. And you know, you'll be, and maybe I was a and little you're older. Covered. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I was a little older. Cause by this time I had started smoking weed regularly and, Okay. And so I had some uh, weed paraphernalia and, and my stack of, of porno magazines and all this mu- this other music and everything, you know, back in the day. Gosh, I had cassette tapes. <laughs> so it was yeah. a mm. bunch of Pearl Jam and Metallica and Alice in Chains and stuff like that, right? And like, you can't listen to that. Yeah. So, but um, anyhow, I go down, I pray, and they're like, okay, how do you feel? I'm like, the same. The same. I'm like waiting for it. I'm like, when does this Jesus thing kick in? Yeah. I'm waiting to feel something. Yeah. Oh. And they're like, well, you know. And so a couple of days go by. They well, want no, like, no. they want like a big reaction. Yeah, well, and I wanted a big reaction. I totally. wanted to feel something. I thought it was going to be like I was waiting for the goosebumps or that right. my hair to stand up on my arms right. or some kind of or pass out electro or pass out or some yeah. kind of electrifying feeling that's going to an experience. I was always very I love experiences, you know, and I think and um, so 
they're like, well, now that you've received Jesus into your life, you can't listen to this music anymore. You can't have those Playboys. You can't listen or you, you got to get rid of all that weed paraphernalia and you can't hang out with those people anymore. I'm like, oh, okay. Because I wasn't, I still wanted that stuff. And yeah. they're like, so we're going to have a big bonfire this weekend. Gather all that stuff up. Bring it over. We're going to throw it on the fire. And uh, and I'm like, oh, man. And, it, and so I did it like very like begrudgingly. Like, mm. like this sucks. I don't want to do this. This doesn't feel life-giving. This yeah. feels... But I did it. And we had the bonfire, and I threw it in. They're like, "How do you feel?" I'm like, distressed. I don't yeah. feel like this. This sucks, you know. Huh. And so I was like, white knuckle. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. You know, I'm like gonna do this. Follow Jesus, whatever that means. White knuckle tight. And I don't know how long that lasted. Maybe a month or so. And I felt like I was holding my breath the whole time. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was just like, mm. and one day I'm like, I don't want this. I said, I want to, I want to have fun. This is stifling my life and this isn't fun. This isn't freedom. I don't know what they're talking about, but I want to have fun. So I just kind of said, you know, yeah, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the old American cliche, you know, that sounds like fun and that's what I'm going to go after. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did. And, you know, it started slow, you know, I was smoking weed and then you tried this pill and that pill and, oh, that feels good and drop acid and try cocaine and, and that. And I had the freedom to do that. Right. But yeah. ultimately that led to bondage mm-hmm. that led, that led to bondage. What I wanted led to bondage. And then, you know, through, through the years that just progressed. I mean, I'm smoking weed now, you know, I'm drinking a little bit and it's, it's partying on the weekends. It's hanging out with friends. It's just having fun. You're going out hiking on acid and da, 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 da. And then you're trying this pill and that pill. And when I found opiates, tried painkillers for the first time, I was like, yeah, this is where it's at for me. Mm. This mm. brings me everything that I want. I feel, I never really felt comfortable in my own skin when I took those. And along with like, benzodiazepines volume xanax i felt comfortable i felt comfortable in my own skin i'm like okay and i felt happy and i felt Mm. alive and i just felt i'm like oh this is good man so i started pursuing those all the time the painkillers and that and you know they're highly physically addictive it's mentally addictive too you feel like you gotta have it to feel good And so after enough years of using those, I mean, it didn't take long. Pretty soon I've got a physical dependency now. And how old were you when this was? That was probably, by the time I developed like a physical dependency to the opiates, that was probably right around the end of high school. Okay. Or even after high school, I was using them in high school, but so I didn't. But it was kind of hit and miss. Late teens, yeah, early twenties, right in there when I really started to develop a physical dependence. Where when I didn't have them, I felt awful, mm. you know. And so you start seeking them out, however you can get them. Uh, How are you getting them? Different ways. Uh, it started out with just off the street, so to speak, or my friend or friends. Years ago, it was easier for doctors to write prescriptions too. Doctors would just write prescriptions. We would find people that had doctors that would write massive prescriptions. And then these people would sell the drugs. And that was a big way we got them. Or um, you'd go doctor shopping yourself and bounce around to different doctors or just uh, stolen ones, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then I actually um, found a doctor that would write me prescriptions forever, whatever I wanted wow. at one point. Yeah. Wow. He would literally give me whatever I wanted. 
I found him and I got hooked up with him at a drug rehab. Oh my goodness. He was my doctor at the rehab. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then so what was his what was his reasoning behind <laughs> he just did it cuz he could? Well, like? Essentially, I convinced him. Um Okay. <laughs> one day I was seeing him. This was a couple years after he was a doctor at a rehab that I was at and I went to him and I'm like I'm depressed and he's going to give me antidepressants, right? Yeah. Well, I said, one of the side effects of these opiates are a false sense of well-being. So I'm like, if I start taking antidepressants and they work, is everything really better now? Or isn't that still just a false sense of well-being? He goes, it doesn't work that way. And I'm not giving you opiates. I said, okay. And I went back to him a couple years later and I said, man, I can't fight this thing. It's just too strong. And he was just real quick to say at that point, he goes, well, we're just going to have to put you on what we're going to call medication management and keep you a functioning addict. So what do you want? It was just that simple. Whoa. And I told oh him a list of things gosh. I wanted. He wrote the prescriptions and gave them to me. And this was when OxyContin was first getting big on the scene. And it was first coming out. And um, he would write me prescriptions for OxyContin, what they call off-label for depression. He was prescribing me Oxycontin for depression, which I'm like, great, because it relieves my depression. Wow. Yeah. Until <laughs> it makes me more depressed. But, yeah. You yeah. know, this cycle, but it's just, so anyways. Um, it's so would, funny. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no. You're kind of, it, but like, it, it's it's so funny because growing up, my idea of drug addicts was always very like scary. Hmm. It was always like directly adjacent to like. The other things that people get involved in, like violence, you know, Gangs like crime, and, yeah. you know, gang. Yeah. Sure. And so, like, mentally, I was always very distant from the idea of drugs, you know. And so, to hear this testimony is kind of weird for me because it, like, it, it's I, I, it sounds bad. It's judgmental, I know. But, like, it humanizes people who are going through that. Oh, yeah. Me. Because it's, like, I have my own problems, you know, like, I'm still struggling with pornography problem which is it's an addiction it is it is it's it's not the same as drugs but it's it kind of is a drug yeah no I'll, we'll get to that later maybe yeah. but i think yeah. it's very similar to drugs yeah yeah so doctors are writing you endless prescriptions yeah <laughs> for yeah for whatever i want a doctor <laughs> yeah and sorry then, we got off yeah, yeah no, 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 no that's all right and i'm kind of jumping around you're too fine. i kind of fast forwarded past a lot of stuff i you're think good. but anyways so um he then is doing this for other people too well it starts to get out of control and people start overdosing and da 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 and anyway he ends up going to prison so wow. he, he goes to he goes to prison. I had a lot of other sources. You had to have you had to cast a broad net because it wasn't always easy to find these drugs when you wanted them. But being physically dependent on them, you always needed them. So I had tons of sources because if this guy didn't have them, I could go to this guy. If this guy didn't have them, I could go to this guy. If the doctor, if it was in between, because you could only go to the pharmacy you once a connected. month. You had to be. You were connected. I had to have so many. I spent I spent so much time and effort maintaining a network of connections to get drugs that consumed pretty much my all day, every day. Wow. Yeah. It, it pretty much consumed my life. Just trying to maintain these connections. There wasn't much time for anything else. Uh, so that I could always keep the supply. Totally. Yeah. There. That's the life of an addict. That's right? the life. I mean, That's it. Just... Everything revolve. Everything has to fit around that. Everything in life orbits around that. Yeah. And I was under the illusion. I would say to my family or whatever, be like, well, you, you can't do this for us. You won't do this for us because you're going to get, I said, let me get the drugs and then I'll do this, what you need done. Mm. But until if I can't, 
and this is what I would say, and this is what I felt, and maybe it was true at the time, it wasn't, it was probably a lie, but this is what I felt. I said, I can't be for you what I need to be for you until I get mm. this in me because I'm, I'm. How was, how was your family reacting to all this? Were they watching this and like seeing you decline or like what was their reaction? Yeah, so. Or was it always like, quote unquote, high functioning, you know, for you? Or how would you describe it? I mean. Yeah, I mean, so it was, you know, living at my parents' house and uh, for the, through the first couple rehabs I went to and like one of them was still in high school maybe two of them was still in high school. One of them was just after high school. And uh, of course they were, uh, they were heartbroken over it. They were distraught. They didn't know really, I don't think what to do or how to handle it. Mm -hmm. um, they just wanted to get me help. They would do anything they could to get me help, to get me to a rehab, to get me to a therapist, to get me to a doctor. And, um, you know, uh, AA meetings, NA, NA meetings, whatever. And it just, you know, it progressively gets worse and you get messier and messier. And I mean, to your point, it does end, end up leading to crime. I mean, you, because you get desperate, not a desperation. You yeah. do things that you wouldn't normally do. Um, so, I mean, crime does get in. And man, I'll bet you if I was still going, well, I'd probably be dead. But if I wasn't dead, I'd probably be in jail. If I wasn't in jail, I'd definitely be probably committing some serious crimes. And I would mm -hmm. look like you're... I would probably look like and act like and do the things like what you think of when you think of your stereotypical drug addict, yeah. because that's what it'll turn into. That's the end that's, of the road. That's, that's what it'll turn yeah. turn you into. Yeah. But um, you know, I remember one time that my mom just she couldn't take it anymore. It was just too much on my mom and dad. And I wound up in a rehab in South Bend. It's torn down now. It's no longer. I think it was Charter at the time. And uh, I went there in handcuffs. I had an option. I could either go to jail or go to a seventy-two hour detention at uh, charter hospital and i think if i remember right the officer gave me a choice it was tough on my dad because he had to call the police and have me arrested out of my bedroom at the house and that was i know it really tore him up and it put me in handcuffs in my bedroom took me out of the house he had to call the cops because it was just i was off the rails yeah wow and so he anyways i go to that i go to that and that was really the straw that broke the camel's back i think for my mom and dad at that point so i'm there for three days 72 hour detention uh, they won't even answer my phone calls. They won't come to me. I could always count on my grandma. She <laughs> she uh, loved me, prayed for me. She was always speaking the word of God to me. Mm. And she loved me almost to a fault because she would enable me a lot, even mm. if she didn't think she was. She she was my one of my biggest uh, cheerleaders. I could have went out and shot somebody in the face and she'd have been, oh, Gregory's such a nice boy. Let's just get him something to eat. Give him some, you know, you like, want some yeah, cookies? Yeah, yeah. She's, she, that's, that's how she yeah, was. You oh know what I mean? Gosh. Oh, he just, you know. She was a we'll give him a, yeah. yeah, a different kind. But yeah. it, almost to the a fault. And she loved the Lord and and uh, she was always praying for me and always speaking truth to me. I didn't always receive it. and mm -hmm. But uh, but almost to a fault because she did enable me. I'd like run out of money. Grandma, I need 500 bucks to pay my my gas bill yeah now okay here it is gregory you're not going to spend that on drugs oh of course not and oh, then as soon as man. i leave it's all gone on drugs so, uh, you know what i mean just yeah. a quick side tangent so looking at that looking back at that what would you do differently if like from her perspective or like how like Gosh. what was what was the good things about it and what was the was it just speaking truth the good to thing you about it was that she showed me unconditional love no matter what i did that's powerful. Yeah. But it was almost to a fault. There's like a fine line there because she was enabling me sometimes, but not 
purposefully enabling me. She didn't know she was enabling me, but she was so she was so sweet and thought I was so innocent and and loved me so yeah. much that if well if he said he really needs five hundred dollars, then I guess he really needs five hundred dollars because surely he wouldn't lie to me. Mm. And I was lying through my teeth. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So you well, think you would draw the line now, probably with money or like how money, probably probably money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean I lived with her for a while. She gave me a place to live when. So it was that when when I had to go to that seventy two hour detention. It was coming out of that. No, mom and dad, they were done. They weren't answering my calls. They went and talked to me. So I called grandma. I knew she'd answer. She'd come and pick me up. And took me back to the house in Lakeville. Well, we're going down the road back to the house where I grew up in Lakeville. And when I we were getting ready to turn in, I'm like, what's in the driveway? It was just a pile of stuff in the driveway. It was the entire contents of my bedroom. Moved out of the house into the driveway. They wouldn't let me in the house. Oh, my god! Here's all your stuff. Get out of here. Figure it out. You know. Whoa. Yeah. So my grandpa had just died a few years earlier and my grandma had actually built a new house to move into a smaller home. Mm. And so I moved in with her and lived there for a couple years or I don't even know if it was a couple years really. And then she got remarried um, and sold that house and moved in with him. And so then I just, you know, found some, got with some of my friends and we started renting places here and there and whatever. Mm. But so then, you know, my mom and dad came around where they would talk to me again and stuff, but they were just really hurt on that one, that mm. one deal. And, and that was it. I wasn't, uh, they weren't going to let me live with them at the time. I did actually move back with them a few years later for a short time. But, um, so yeah, so let's see. So the progressive nature of the addiction, right? So now I'm, I'm pretty well hooked on painkillers. Like, Definitely hooked on painkillers and benzos was a big thing for me too. The Xanax, Valium, um, it made me feel comfortable. You know, I didn't. Feel what what exactly like benzo? You said what were the ones you opiates? Just oh, okay, so benz benzos those are opiates as well. No benzos, that's the class of drugs. Benzodiazepine, okay. it's a tranquilizer, basically okay. a Valium and a Xanax. It's just a calm anti. They use them a lot for anti anxiety. Okay, medications. Okay. Yep. Hmm. So you'd combine them all and oh yeah okay yeah with alcohol too and stuff or? I would drink I would drink smoking weed and just you know, all of it yeah. together. all of it together all the time I was time. gonna say wow. I heard aren't there serious side effects to like crossing them for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure can be dang yeah yeah and then you know and then I'd be going through I did a lot of like NA meetings a lot of rehabs and stuff like that and then you try like replacement therapy for a while like okay the doctor put me on methadone so that's just a replacement opiate but it's a, it acts in a different way <clears throat> and you take a little bit and it's longer acting and you can't get as like high on it as you can the other stuff. So instead of going out and buying all these drugs and doing illicit things to get the drugs, yeah. you just get your prescription of methadone and take your two or three methadone tablets a day and it keeps the withdrawals away and, and allows you to lead a, a functional normal life mm, while I not see. going through drug withdrawals. I see. And there's other drugs called Suboxone that I was on for a while as well. Mm. Um, did those even did those really help or were they just like a delay kind of just a delay yeah yeah, yeah it's just a so delay. at this point now we're probably getting close to where you met your wife probably right or yeah well that would have been in two thousand and one okay. when I met my wife two thousand two two thousand two okay and then you you told her right you were on you know opiates right she said yeah yeah know, she yeah. knew she knew um so. Me and my wife, we actually knew each other in elementary school. Oh, wow. We went to elementary school together. 
and junior high. I never really knew her, knew her then, but I knew who she was. And I always knew there was something about her. I'm like, that girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that girl. And so her parents, so she grew up in La Paz. I was in Lakeville. Her parents got divorced. Um, was it seventh grade year? And her mom moved up to where she lives now, up by us. And um, so... I go through high school. I didn't see her, but I knew I was <laughs> sorry. sorry. I got distracted by your, by I'm your fan clicker. Come on, come on, come is on. Is the switch off? No, the switch is on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Getting these Keep going. It's okay. Keep going. I'm, just, I'm getting hot in here. Okay. The fan clicker won't yeah, work. Yeah, it's okay. There's gotta be a way. It's, it's pop the windows. It's remote. China. <laughs> China. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all uh, good. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so you 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 picked her out, right? <laughs> when you guys were young. Yeah, well, no, I just yeah. knew that. I was like, I. It's like, it's so weird because I've always like known stuff, I, and I don't know if that's God showing me stuff, but huh. I always knew that somehow there was going to be something with that girl in the future, even though I really never knew her in school is, mm. is the strangest thing. So cool. And then she moved up to, to the pin district. And one day I was driving from work and I went by the house. And I'm like, well, that's where Tara lives. And I, and I just had this, like, there's going to be something with her in the future. And I never really had a connection with her before in school. So she moved out of like seventh grade up there. And I never seen her again, all of high school until, Gosh, we were, I was about 26 and I was out deer hunting one evening. I had an apartment in Lakeville and a buddy was living with me and, um, I come in from deer hunting and I was worked all day and I was tired and they were all down at the American Legion shooting pool. My buddy that was living with me and some other friends. And I sit down in my apartment and the phone rang and he's like, yeah, come down here with us for shooting pool. Come on out tonight. I said, I'm not going out tonight. I'm shot. I'm tired. I'm done. He called back five minutes later. He's like, oh, come on down. Now Scooter's down here. We're all shooting pool. Come on down and hang out. I'm like, no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Hang up the phone. Phone rings five minutes later. He's like, oh, come on down here. Brad's down oh here now. Gosh. And so-and-so's down here. All, all the guy, everybody's down here, man. Yeah. We're shooting pool. We're having fun. I said, no, man. I said, leave me alone. I'm done. I'm not coming out. He goes, I said, I'm not going to answer the phone if you call one more time. I'm not going to do it. Well, the phone rang one more time. I answered it. He goes, hey, Tara McCoy's down here. And she says she wants, I said, I'll be right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a woman involved. (laughs) And I went right down there. And like, I had, it's like, it's like, I can just see him like at the payphone, you know? (laughs) (laughs) There, she's down here. (laughs) He cuts to him. Yeah. So like, (laughs) yeah. And so like, I'm, I think I'm, 26 now and senior says seventh grade i flew right down the rest is history so yeah. you know mm-hmm. we could we reconnected or connected that night and then um you know and so by that time yeah i'm i'm fully into i'm fully addicted to, to opiates yeah. and, mm-hmm. and of course smoking weed all the time goes without saying i think and all the other pills and stuff but uh yeah we got together and and um and i kind of just said well you know I'm kind of got this really serious drug addiction going on. She's like, I don't care. I'm like, okay, you know, (laughs) welcome aboard (laughs) to to the crazy train. And so, yeah, but then, uh, it was manageable. I mean, it was still like at a point where it was just like, whatever. And there was no kids involved yet. There was no real family involved yet. You know what I mean? And then as it progressed and things just get worse and worse and worse as we, you know, started having kids, like they couldn't hang with that anymore. Yeah. yeah, there's no way. 
Yeah. So you had two daughters, right? Two daughters. Two daughters. Yep. Yeah. Miranda and yeah. Jenna. Mm-hmm. Yep. And things you kind of continued right way as they were growing up till till yeah. about, you said six or eight. Right? Nothing changed as yeah. far as my use. It only got worse. Mm-hmm. It only turned into more things too. Like, like I would never shoot up. I would never stick a needle in my arm. Like I would never cross that line. Right. I would never smoke crack. I mean, them crackheads are, you know, that's, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, it progressed one day. I found myself sitting in my basement and I've got a crack pipe loaded up. I've got a syringe loaded up. I've got, looks like a bag of Skittles spilled out on the table because of all the different shapes and sizes and colors of pills laid out. Wow. I've got like a fifth of vodka sitting there with a mixed drink, a joint and a cigarette burning in the ashtray. Wow. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm looking, I'm like, what happened? It's a charcuterie board of death. That's brilliant. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a shark. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, Whoa. I, and things I thought I would never do, you know, lines yeah. I thought I would never cross. Yeah. Was it and heroin it t- in the needle or what was? Mm, I don't remember if it was heroin or it was, it was um, probably a pill. I think it was probably Dilaudid that okay. I, that I, okay. so I loaded you, up. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. Which wow. is no different than heroin. Heroin is, is heroin's okay. an opiate. Okay. It's, it's, same thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's just a little bit different, you know, but same thing really. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I thought, man, wow. Like how did it end up here? And so, um, yeah, it always take you farther than you wanted to go and make you stay longer than you wanted to stay. Amen. Yeah. It will always do that. Yeah. 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 And you know, that's this, there's such a deception out there these days with weed. Like kids say, well, that's just weed. It's Mm -hmm. not. And, and other people say, um, well, cause my wife used to smoke weed. She used to smoke weed right along with me. Probably not as much as I did, but it never led to anything else with her. Hmm. She goes, it's not a gateway drug. It was never a gateway drug, but it totally was for me. Well, mm-hmm. that's the thing is like people can drink alcohol and not become alcoholics, mm-hmm. but then there are also plenty of people who do. And there's plenty of like teenagers who get into car wrecks under the influence of alcohol. It's like, like sugar can be an addiction for you. You can overeat on sugar. It's when something is taken too far. Yeah. It's like becomes an object of worship. Well, it's, and it's almost like it's, yeah, you're right. It's not the object itself. It's almost just more like being in that state of like doing that thing. (laughs) It's like kind of like a a pattern. Well, and it honestly, it became a rich, it became ritualistic for me. Like even preparing the drugs to use, it became like a ritual. Like it was uh, like a calming thing kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I would get so excited when I was uh, out of a drug and I knew I was going to score. Like I would get like you hear like the Pavlov's dogs thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like that. Like I could be out and then I finally make the connection on the phone and I'm on the way to get it. And my gut would say I'd have to pull over and find a bathroom somewhere because I'd be that excited. Oh, my God. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it it was it was such a crazy reaction. It it could have like Uh that. Well, I'm in the brain being as plastic as it is. That's the thing when, you know, our brains are plastic. Yeah. If, if it gets rewired. Plasticity is, yeah, plasticity is the brain's like ability to be changed and to mm-hmm. adapt to like things. Certain things. Yeah. yeah. Stimuli yeah. And stuff. It's not so much like my brain's really an ABS composite. Yeah. It's more like a yeah, silly yeah. putty. Yeah. 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 So. Especially physical though. Mm-hmm. Like substances physically are, I'd say, what affects 
biologically more mm-hmm. you know, like and and so here's the thing so so i'm i've met my my wife right and we ended up um having our first daughter miranda around it was around duh, like i don't know exactly when it was yeah. 2004 yeah uh, miranda was born and um you know i, I thought i kind of thought that wait this will change me Having a daughter, like this will change me. This will be enough. Surely this will be. Surely this, yeah. will, this is such a profound moment. Yeah, you're and, flesh and blood. And I love this little girl. I know I do already. And she's just born. This this will probably help me change. And it didn't. And things just progressively worse. The use, it just, it just gets worse. You use more, yeah. things get more destructive. You make more, your bad decisions compound, compound, compound. And you get, and I was getting more reckless. And then uh, we had our second daughter, Jenna, in 2008. And, um, gosh, you know, it's like, I love those girls. I love them so much. Deeply. I love my family deeply. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would hear, well, like, if you loved them, you would change. You wouldn't be like this around them. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't want to be like this around them, but I never felt like I really had a choice. This is my lot in life. This is who I am. This is mm-hmm. what it is. Must have been born this way. You, um, you literally... You didn't realize at the moment, but you were a slave. I was right? a slave. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't realize, but my freedom, <laughs> I had the freedom to do that. That yeah. led to slavery, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. but, um, so now we, we're trying to have a house and a family, and I'm out just wrecking vehicles, waking up in jail. You're a menace. Money. I'm a menace. Yeah. Spending money. <laughs> um, you know, like I mean, yeah. you can't save money. You're, you're trying to save money. You're trying to do right things. You're trying to do adult things and have a house and buy cars and that and do all these things. And I'm spending hundreds of dollars a day feeding an addiction, oh, you know, man. and my wife's like trying to keep all this maintained and pay bills and da, 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 da. Were you working in roofing at the time? I was. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Working in roofing. Yeah. So when, when we, um, about the time she was pregnant with Miranda, I'm like, I got to get a job pays enough mm. to to feed both to, your, to, to yeah. make a house payment to have a car to yeah. feed my kids to like like what am i gonna do and i was doing some odd jobs with a buddy of mine he was in the roofers union he's like yo come down and join the roofers you know and and it was always tough being in and i had so many different jobs because that's the kind of nature of addiction too you're just so unstable you you get fired or you quit or you just don't show up because you don't have any drugs so you don't feel like going to work and so you lose jobs you're always in and out of things you know and it's like well this guy's roofing and and he uses a lot of drugs and i mean it must be so i went down to the hall signed up man it was and it was good it's a good trade to get into i think they put me through apprenticeship school it was like a five-year program now i'm at 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 journeyman raid after five years making decent money you know and i and i enjoyed it i did and they would also tolerate my drug use like everybody i worked with and Mm -hmm. you know it's like Everybody did drugs. It's just kind of like the trades are that way a lot. I think any trade can be that way. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, and so I uh, get in where you fit in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And so I was roofing, so I was making decent money. But it didn't matter because I was being I wasn't being wise with it. I was mm-hmm. being foolish with my money. I could have been making a million dollars a day yeah. and, I'd, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have been, been spent. And so all the just recklessness and wrecking a lot of vehicles and just doing this is like, they you know my wife had to make a decision she couldn't keep the girls in that environment anymore and i never i never faltered for that and so one day she left she left she took the girls and she left and she moved in with her brother and 
Mm. That I'd never been hurt so bad is that hurt, mm. honestly. But I, I never blamed her for it. I never, I was mad. I was angry with her, but I, but I, but I got it. I mean, I felt anger over it. I felt hurt over it, but I got it because I knew mm. what I was and how things were going. You know what I mean? I was like, well, and she kind of had told you, right? Before, she had. Oh yeah. yeah. She had been saying it yeah. like, look, they, but it just, it never, phew, you were just like, nah, phew, fell on it, deaf ears. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. and then I had this thing. Oh yeah. You say that, but they'll never really. She's yeah. been saying it for a couple of years, probably, and it never. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 mm-hmm. right. And uh, then, then the day it did, it's like it knocked the wind out of me. You know what I mean? Huh. And it was like all those years, I was always trying to maintain a uh, some semblance of sanity. Look, I can still maintain this job. I got this job. Yeah. Yes, I've got this crippling drug addiction, but I can still function as a father, function as a husband, maintain the house, maintain the job, and you know, and all that, uh, which was an illusion. I guess I was to some point, but it was really an illusion, man. It was just, mm-hmm. um, so I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, you're just talking about being, you know, they left you. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that left such a vacuum and hurt so bad that now I don't even care about trying to maintain these things anymore. Like I'm hurting so bad that I'm going to go after what I know kills the pain even harder and faster, mm-hmm. more drugs, more drugs. So I'm not trying to keep up a front for anybody or look good for anybody anymore or trying to act like you I've got it together. First into- it's just, I don't care. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Like people around me. Like if you don't like what I am, then there's the door. You know what I mean? Kinda, and yeah, if you yeah. don't want me working here, then fine or whatever. And so I was using so much drugs at the time and, and you know, and then, trying to find different girlfriends all the time and stuff like that too, to yeah. kind of fill that void and, and all that. Um, so it was always on the bubble of, of, of overdose. Cause I was putting so many different chemicals in my body all the time, different combinations of, Dang. and uh, it was just a really dark, dark time. And things were just, I was living so reckless then like, I don't know how I didn't wind up in jail. Honestly, mm. I mean, more me. more times than you did. Mm-hmm. Man, exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. God really insulated me from myself. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, I'm like, I feel like he kind of used every new thing that came, even the bad things. He was able to use to good. Like, yeah. like, like her leaving. Right, right. It was hard, and that sucked. But I mean, or sorry, you gonna say something? No, no, go ahead. I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. But like, I mean, it 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 was the decision she made. I think that was good for her because it was her it was her drawing a healthy line yep. for both herself and yep. for the kids, you know, and taking responsibility on her part. Yep. You know. Well, and it was really correct me if I'm wrong, but the only thing to kind of bring you. I mean, it was terribly painful, right? But it yeah. was the only wake up. Well, it was a wake up call. Really, right? well, I mean, yeah. And yeah. and if you think about that, like, the thing is, I've never really been through, tra- at least in my perspective. I feel like it's relative, but like, I hear stories like yours that are so dramatic and it's inspiring. But then, like, sometimes I look at my own life and I see the tragedies that I've been through, and I don't always see them as that dramatic or that like deep 
And so sometimes I feel like, oh, like if I would have been in that situation, then it would have been different. Mm. But I feel like it it really just is your own journey, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, Everyone's got a different hand they've been yeah. dealt, you know? And it's it's not about how you are compared to everyone else. Amen. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, no, but I, so... I'm Sorry, glad you guys know you're fine. You're That's mm-hmm. great. I'm because I'm glad you guys brought that up because that that most painful point of when she left with the girls was the necessary catalyst to just break me, mm. to break mm. me, which which created and 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 what the enemy was using to destroy my life. God used that in that brokenness when He just about had me dead of a heroin overdose, God used that then, that brokenness, to move in. Because all my all my walls were down then. All my resistance yeah. was gone. But I'm kind of getting the cart ahead of the horse, right? Say, so, yeah. so, she, so, so I'm trying, so I'm just doing all these drugs now, right? And, and different girlfriends and whatever. And I'm just in this super painful spot, super mm-hmm. painful spot. I just, every day it was agony, man. I would, I would, I would grieve over that loss. It was like a it was a grieving. I would grieve over that loss daily. I would go to bed thinking about it. I would have dreams about it at night, and I would wake up thinking about it. So when I got up in the morning, yeah. and when I was working jobs in Indianapolis, we were driving them from South Bend to Indy every day at one point, working 10 hours. I figured, this is stupid, but we'd get up at South Bend, drive to Indy, work 10 hours, drive home, sleep for a couple hours, get up, drive to Indy, work 10 hours on the <laughs> wow. road, drive home. And I would get up at four in the morning. The first thing I did was start pounding vodka because I felt pain as soon as I waked up, woke up. And the drugs were getting harder to find. They, it was getting, because now they start, they're starting to clamp down more on, on, on the drug use and the doctors aren't as prevalent, handing stuff mm. out. And the pills are getting a little bit harder to find. So I didn't really like alcohol. I didn't like the 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 buzz or the high from alcohol mm-hmm. i preferred this drug yeah. the opiate and the benzos but if i couldn't find them i had to have something to numb Any, me anything yeah. so i would wake up and i would just start pounding vodka like vodka and cranberry juice just four in the morning four thirty just to kill the pain that i felt that was present as soon as my eyes opened was it of was the it, grieving and it was phys- oh sorry and it was it was physical pain it was like it was like pain of all sorts. Well, it was ment- mental and emotional. Mental and emotional, emotional too. pain. Yeah, more than yeah, not physical. It now, was even drug more. withdrawal would have some like physical. Okay, uh, but yeah. I'm talking about the emotional and mental anguish, the grief wow. that I was in over where my life ended up and the loss of my family. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and so I'm just pouring whatever I can find, whatever chemicals I can find in me to 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 numb that out. Um. And and then that led into heroin use because I was having trouble finding the pills now because they're getting more regulated and do- they're cracking down on doctors and da 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 mm. tighten these things up, and so heroin was way easier to find than pills. Okay. So and heroin is an opiate. Heroin is is essentially a form of morphine. So what well, is? But um, yeah, I don't know all the different denominations yeah i know there's like there's like several different uh like scales is the is it battery out yeah. oh okay is there another one? um yeah there is it's in uh it's it's in the little charger thingy right there do we need to pause or we need to keep yeah, rolling? We should just pause real quick okay yeah that's okay, fine do you, let this pause take a bathroom break yeah it's a great time for yeah. that sure <laughs> uh, right here right here man
Okay. All right, we're back. We're back. Sorry about that. Yeah. We had camera malfunctions. That's the main, number one enemy of this show is camera <laughs> malfunctions. So. And body malfunctions. <laughs> <laughs> I just had one in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, anyway. That was a malfunction? Yeah. I thought it was a normal, normal operating yeah, procedure. Normal, yeah, that's true. It's normal, yeah. Normal well, wait, when you're like me and you have a, an intestinal surgery mm. at eight. Always the victim. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Well, now I make you guys the victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Innocent bystanders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so okay. So, so um, you were talking about your time, right, when you were, I think it was when you were kind of roofing and you were waking up, you were... So this is, yeah, because yeah. we, we were talking about, you guys both brought up um, the divorce and I was talking about the pain that I experienced during that time that when she when she moved out with the girls and the pain and grieving that I was feeling and just pouring all kinds of drugs and alcohol into me to try to cope with that and during that time um you know I was on the kind of the the edge of death all the time because I was putting so many different chemicals in my body uh mixing with alcohol and just trying to kill the pain But that was, you know, in hindsight, that that really painful thing was the necessary catalyst that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and it was necessary. And in, at the time, I would never say this then, but looking back on it, I can be like, that was a necessary pain to happen, because if that not happened, I would have stayed right where I was. Mm. That wouldn't have been broken. To be able to receive change, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had all my walls broken down, so that when God offered me that invitation for life, you know, I was so broken. I was like, yeah, yeah, so, give me that. Yeah, so so walk us through because you said it kind of was a double sort of event, right? Where you almost overdosed, or yeah, yeah right. Mm -hmm. So walk us through like what happened during that time because that was kind of the culmination, almost. Yeah, right? so. I mean, so now, so we got divorced in 2011, 2012, something like that. 2011, mm -hmm. I think it was. So 20, fast forward through all these crazy years, a few years there um, of extreme recklessness. And, mm -hmm. and now we're at 2014-ish, end of 2013, beginning of 2014. And um, using so much drugs, the heroin use is getting real heavy. I'm getting, uh, you know, some pills obviously still and mixing it with drinking really heavily and one night i'm at my house by myself um, me and my two dogs and i'm using and i feel myself i'm like oh man i've done too much tonight i'm broke mm -hmm. out in this sweat like is common in an opiate overdose and my breathing shallow but this one felt different this was like wow this this isn't good like um, I might not survive this one. And then a little bit more time went by. I'm like, okay, I can't even stand anymore. I'm like, I feel myself, my body like slipping away and I'm pretty yeah. certain that I'm going to die. Did you do like a, like a more than you normally did or like, was it probably okay. it's hard for me to exactly remember, but probably okay. I know that there was heroin involved and there was other pills involved and I'm sure there was alcohol. Cause that was just normal to always have a drink in my hand at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember laying down on the living room floor and thinking, man, I, I don't think I'm going to pull out of this one. This one's going to kill me. 
And I'm like, well, this is how my life ends. Laying right here on my living room floor by myself in the dark, heroin overdose. Like, kind of sucks, but I guess it is what it is. Like, honestly, that's how I felt about it. It really wasn't any heavier than that. And, but I did, I did, I did want to live. I was laying there thinking, thinking to myself, lungs keep breathing, heart keep beating. I was like focused on that. Okay, just talk yourself through it. You can keep your body alive if you just (laughs) talk yourself through it, you know. And uh, then I went unconscious and uh, woke up four hours later. I'm like, oh, I'm still alive. I survived that. Time to get high, you know. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> never it's never enough to like shock you out of it. It's like you ever have anything, you know. It's almost like those what they call foxhole prayers. You have anything happen in your life where it's just like so serious. It's like oh, if I can just get out of this, I made it through that. It's like a bargain. Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm gonna like change the way I live after that, and then then you get on the other side of that, and before you know it, you're just back to your same old routine, everyday yeah. life. Like you kind of forget about that and you're just back into doing what you're doing well, four hours later after i thought i was gonna die i'm doing more heroin mm. and so um now this time frame is really hazy it's days it's a couple weeks it's somewhere in there but it wasn't right in that moment so it's within the next few days i i would say it's winter of 2014 now around um around super bowl of 2014 and uh, I remember this because I got called to go to work in Marion, Indiana, to shovel snow off of a Dollar General Distribution Center on Super Bowl Sunday of 2014. So I knew I remember that because it was Super Bowl Sunday. That winter we had so much snow; they had such a snow load, the roof was in danger of collapsing in. So we had to get the the snow load off of it. And you know, sixty dollars an hour, sure I'll go. I got nothing else going on. Double time, double time <laughs> right, on yeah. a Sunday. Yeah. And so I'm driving to Marion, Indiana, like through back roads um, early in the morning. It's dark out. How early do you think? Like three? Uh, I was probably like four or five in the morning. Four or five? Yeah, something like that, I'll bet. Yeah. Um, and so it was just dark. It was cold. I was in physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. It was the dead of winter, you know. Mm. It was just dark and cold, and that's how I felt, dark and cold. And there is something in me. Like, I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't, like, seeking the Lord. I wasn't reading Scripture. I wasn't doing any of those things. But I will say, let me back up. This is a very important part of the story. And I don't know where this fits in the timeline, but it's somewhere just before, during, and after. I was working with a a guy that I worked with, that I became good friends with. His name is Steve. And me and Steve would go out and party a lot. We'd go to the local strip clubs here in South Bend on Friday and Saturday night. We would, mm. you know, get high together and and uh, all these kinds of things. But his dad, his dad's name is Cal. His dad um, is plays guitar. He's in praise and worship at Christian Center. Um, he introduced me to his family. I hit it off with this family. I'd go out and hang out with them all, hang over there with them all the time. We'd go over there. They'd invite me over for dinner. I'd go over and eat dinner. And then uh, one Sunday morning, uh, Steve called me and said, hey, my dad wants you to uh, wants us to go to church with him. He has a church. I'm like, well, I don't want to go to church. Why would I want to go to church on Sunday morning? Like, I'm just waking up. I'm hungover. I'm going to start drinking again in a minute. And he's like, that's okay. He goes, I'll come by. I'll pick you up. We'll go around the block, smoke a joint, and then we'll go to church. I'm like, 
okay, I guess if you're going to get me high, you know, we, I guess I can go to church with you. And we did that for week after week after week in a row. And I would go and I didn't know why I was going, but there was something in me. This is what I was going to say when I said we were on the road. I was on the road to Marion, Indiana. I was crying out for life. There was this, there was this few week period where in me, there was this cry for life. I was just like, I know I'm alive because I'm sucking air into my lungs. You know, I'm looking I'm sitting in this chair in this house and I've got this job and, but I don't have life. Like what is life? And, um, so this is really, so I'm saying that to myself on that drive to Marion too. Like I always want life. And I remember texting my wife at the time, ex-wife, like, what is life? Like I want life. I don't have life, but I want life. Just a text like that. Cause I was just wanted to tell somebody. And so whatever, I go down to Marion, I shovel snow. I come home. I come home to, cause friends of mine had keys to my house. So I come home to a house full of people having a Super Bowl party that I didn't know was going to happen. Dang. (laughs) But it was fine because that's just how we did then. You know what I mean? So I was like, whatever. Stressful. (laughs) My nightmare. (laughs) So, but then, you know, like Steve is still inviting me to church with his dad. And I'm going there and I'm sitting through these services and there's praise and worship and the word of God's being preached. And I don't even remember like what the sermons. I couldn't tell you. But one Sunday I'm there and I've been crying out for life for this you know, few weeks, whatever it was. And I don't know what the preacher was preaching on, but something pricked my heart. And I just started bawling. I just started bawling, sitting in my seat at the church. And Cal is an awesome guy that God used in my life in that time. And he just put his arm around me. He said, let's go down and, and uh, let's go down front and pray. Cause they were doing an altar call at the time. So I'm like, sure. Okay. And I'm crying I go down with Cal and pray for me and whatever. And okay, you know, go home and, but something, something happened. Something happened in that, in that moment, uh, during that prayer. And, um, I started feeling, I started feeling hope, Mm. started feeling hope, but I was still, it was infant. Uh, Yeah. It was the tiniest of, yeah. Yeah. Just being germinated maybe, you know? Yeah. And I started feeling hope. Now we're getting to the good part of the story because this is what God has done. You know what I mean? This is my favorite part of the story. We're talking about all that other stuff. It's necessary, but it's like, yeah. This is the rising action. Yeah. This is, this is, yeah, this is what God has done. Right. And so, um, I think there might've been another couple weeks where I go to church with Cal or whatever. And I'm still doing lots of drugs all the time. And every time Steve would pick me up to go to meet his dad at church, we'd drive around the block and smoke a joint. And I've already had a couple vodka and cranberries, maybe three. By the time I get there, I got vodka coming off my breath, smell like weed stoned out of my mind and stumbling into church. (laughs) Nobody ever said anything. Everybody was happy to see me. You know what I mean? And it was like, it was like, great. Hey, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there was never any, you know, I just. wanted this for me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but I know uh, I never felt like any like shame or condemnation or anything like uh, that. I just felt love yeah, there and yeah. acceptance, you know. And, um, and so then, I don't know, I'm sitting at the house one day crying out for life again. And in a drug-addled, alcohol-saturated mind everything's foggy and confused. I can't see clearly, you know, just through life. I can't see what's going on. I'm just so high and drunk all the time, Mm. but crystal clear, very precise, like a, like a laser beam cutting through all that. 
the Spirit of God said, I heard your cry for life. Do you want life? And I was like, I was like too good to be true. I couldn't believe that offer was being presented to me. And I said, I do. And he said, um, I have life for you. Let go of your life. Surrender all in, all your weight in on me. He goes, like you're stepping off of a cliff to free fall. Step like that into me and I've got you. Do you trust me? And I knew that I knew that I knew. I knew that the creator of the universe was communicating with me in that moment and that I could surrender to that level of free fall. It transcended everything you'd experience. Everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. And in that moment, I did. And I felt hope. But I wasn't, the, the addiction wasn't broke off me yet. So I was still using drugs. I was still going out. After, after that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he told me, like he kind of patted me on the shoulder and said, yeah, I know you are. But this is where we're, this is what we're going to do. And this is where we're going to go. And I'm going to break this off you. Of course, you're still going to do it now because you don't know anything different. Mm. But he had his hand on me. It's not like he said it's okay to do drugs, but almost in a, in a sense, he's he's like, I know you're still going to do that. He was but, walking with you. Yeah, I, you're yeah. still going to do that. I know you are, but we're going to get through this kind of a thing. And so I was talking to Cal, who was, you know, I was going to church with Steve's dad. And he's like, yeah, he goes, um, have you ever heard of Teen Challenge? And I said, no, what's Teen Challenge? And so I said, well, I'm 39 years old, man. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's not just for teens, right? I'm like, hey, yeah. why am I going to, why would I go to a place called Teen Challenge? And he explained it to me and said he had a nephew that went there. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't really make sense, you know? And then day to day, I'm going along. Somebody else mentions Teen Challenge. Somebody mm-hmm. else mentions Teen Challenge. Like different disconnected people. Different disconnected people. Huh. Yeah. Wow. All in the span of what? What was the time span? This is like a couple weeks. Couple weeks. I think. Couple, okay. couple, yeah. three weeks maybe. Okay. If that okay. time's really hazy for me, but yeah, in there. And um, hmm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow. I said, God, there is a God, and He's working in my life right now. This is like I'm like, phew, this is it's exhilarating, man. And and but I'm still like wondering, you know, if this is real or what's going on. And my dad invited me to lunch one day over when honkers was still over here on the south side and we went in there and i'm talking to him and um i used to think like gospel tracks were like goofy and cheesy you know handing tracks out to people Mm. and i was talking to my dad about what's going on in my life and i said you know about i think god's like working in my life like something's going on and yeah i said well i gotta go to the bathroom i go to the bathroom i get up and i go to the bathroom in honkers and they're sitting on top of the urinal as i'm taking a leak as the track sitting open a gospel track with mm. the with the cliff on this side and the cliff on this side and the cavern in between with the cross bridging it mm. and it said something about uh god loves you when he 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 wants you or something and it was just like it seems like you could find that anywhere laying right but at that right. moment it was like a neon sign to me and i was like God was screaming at me through that little pamphlet sitting on top of him. Yeah. Like, he just kept doing all these things, confirming, confirming, confirming that he was working in my life. And finally, I went through this. And I, so finally, now I've talked to enough people. Okay, I'm going to call this Teen Challenge and find out what it's all about. So I call up there and talk to the intake <laughs> you director. You caved. I caved. <laughs> I, I call up there and talk to the intake director and find out what it's all about. And it's a year commitment. And I'm like, a year commitment, man. Well, what about... 
okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna give up my life for a year. I said, I've got this house. I was buying the house off my grandmother on land contract. I've got a truck that isn't paid off. I've got, what about my girls? I can't walk away from my girls. And I remember they're, we're divorced and they're living with my wife up there. And at this point, I can, I was getting them every other weekend. At this point, I could only have them with supervised visitations anyways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, well, I can't leave my girls, you know. I'm doing so much good for them right now. <laughs> anyways. All these justifications. All these justifications yeah. and all these reasons why I can't go yeah. that I'm coming up with. Well, I wasn't paying my grandma for the house anyways, really. She would, was paying the bills because I never had the money to make a house payment. So she on the house. So she was just paying it. Um, I'd had a lot of overtime checks coming in from work. And I was, and I said, well, I can't pay my truck off. He's like, well, what's the balance on it? I'm like, let me check. Well, oh, I actually have enough to pay it off. So I paid it off. Well, who's going to take care of the house? And my dogs, I got two dogs. And then about that time, another guy that I worked with, Mike, called me. He was just going through a divorce and he gave his wife the house. He's like, I need a place to live. And I was like, really? Can you house I said, it? I said, you can move in here. And oh, he moved in there with me for a couple of weeks. And I was while I was going through this process, and I said, man, I think I'm oh, going to leave for a year and go. Because he was always encouraging me to like, man, you need to get clean, man. You're a mess, you know. But he was always a good friend to me. And he's like, he's like, good, go and get clean. He goes, I'll stay here at the house. He goes, I got this. He goes, you know, I'll watch the dogs. He goes, I'm going to remodel wow. this bathroom while you're gone too. Do you mind? I said, oh my God. do you yourself. mind if I remodel? <laughs> he's really good with stuff like that. He's yeah. really wow. handy and good yeah. at building and stuff. So he's yeah. like, I'm going to remodel this bathroom. This bathroom's a mess. He goes, I'll take care of the dogs. You care if my girlfriend moves in? I was like, I don't care. He goes, I'll pay your grandma every month, you know? Wow. And I'll, okay, okay. I got the title in the mail for the truck. So I was able to pay that off. I got the house and the dogs taken care of. And, and I said, well, I can't leave my girls. I can't just walk away from my girls for a year. And, and God's like, really? He's like, what have you done for them in the last year? I'm like, oh, good point. Mm. He goes, I said, yeah, not, not really good for them right now. And he goes, so what's your next excuse? I'm like, guess I'm out of them. <laughs> so it looks wow. like teen challenge, I guess. So he, he, you know, I kept coming up with those and he kept meeting every excuse. Mm. Nope, nope, nope. And so I was like, okay. So I call up there. I'm like, this is crazy. So finally, I, I come around. Like, okay, I'm gonna commit to this. I'm gonna do it. You know, I went down to the union hall and, to put my uh, status on freeze down at the hall. And uh, I was talking to the president. He's like, you're going where to do what? For how long? I said for a year. He goes, well, that seems pretty extreme, doesn't it? I said, well, the way I've been living the last 25 has been pretty extreme. Yeah. He's like, good point go wow, <laughs> and wow. so and so um but here's the thing is you got to get a tb test before you can go in you got to have a clear tb test so i i didn't know what a tb test was all oh, about yeah. so i figured i just go in and get a test and i was ready to go like i had my mom going tomorrow to teen challenge so i go to the doctor get a tb test i'm like is it good he's like i don't know you got to come back in three days and we'll read it i'm like i don't have three days i'm going tomorrow he's like you're not going tomorrow you got to come back <laughs> in three days and we'll read if there's a little bump or whatever okay. i don't know yeah and so i'm like oh man so i had just ran out of all these series of drugs i'm taking so i'm like what am i going to do the next couple days like mm. i'll just go home and be sober i'll white knuckle tight it and i'll be sober for the next three days and then i'll go well that lasted about a half hour when I got home. I'm oh like, I need drugs. So I went out and bought somebody's prescriptions from them in a bag of weed and a bottle of vodka and another pack of cigarettes. And 
And I was, you know, tore up for three days, went back to doctor, TB test is clear. And I'm getting ready to go to Teen Challenge in Muskegon, Michigan on Valentine's Day of 2014. And, or the day before Valentine's Day, actually. And that morning, Cal called me. He goes, well, can you meet me at breakfast before we go? Because Steve, my friend Steve, Cal's son, rode with my dad. So my dad and Steve took me to Muskegon to drop me off at Teen Challenge. He's like, can you meet? So I said, sure. He goes, well, let's meet over at McDonald's on the south side there on Miami. And I said, okay. And this is the first time that scripture ever made any like sense to me. And I still have the napkin somewhere at home. He wrote it on a McDonald's napkin. Steve so, did? No, Cal, his oh, dad. Cal, Cal. Cal's the one from Christian that's Center right, we would meet right. over there. His, yes, and so he prayed dead. for me at McDonald's yeah. and just encouraged me to go to Teen Challenge. Mm -hmm. And and um, he wrote Proverbs 27, 12 on a napkin. And I had a Bible at home, so he said, go look it up when you get home. And Proverbs 27, 12 says, A prudent man sees evil and hides himself and avoids it. But the naive who are easily misled, continue on, and are punished by suffering the consequences of sin. Mm. And it was so profound. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. So what I was, I saw the evil and the destruction. Death was, death was right here in front of me, like every moment. Teen Challenge was that hiding place, that refuge. Mm. Or I could have been naive and misled and kept going on and been punished and suffered the consequences of it. And it was so profound to me in the moment. I knew that I knew that I knew that now I was doing the right thing and I'm going to Teen Challenge. But it was still hard for me to commit to actually do it. I'm going to actually turn away from everything I know and go to some place that sounds so crazy to me and submit myself to it for a year. Like, I can't do this sober. So mm. my dad's coming to pick me up with Steve. So I'm pounding vodka, smoking weed, choking down as much. I'm like, this is the last time I'm going to get high. So I got to really get it. Mm. <laughs> so I'm choking down all these pills, popping pills all the way up there. I get in there. I'm barely walking when they drop me off. Wow. Jeez. Can barely talk, barely walk. I get in there, you know, they get me in. And, and then I woke up the next day on there uh, wondering what the heck. But I think I laid in bed for like three days because I was just exhausted wow. and tired and coming off of tons of drugs. And I think I was on a bunch of antidepressants and stuff at the time too, which make you drowsy. Well, just, they have their own kind of weird when you're coming off of them kind of effects, like your body misses them and you feel, funny. Oh, you feel like a withdrawal. Kind yeah. Of from this too. And so I wake yeah. up in teen challenge. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Like, where, what am I, why am I here at this place? And after about three days of laying in bed, they don't want to let you lay around too long. They want to get you in the flow, in the program. They want to get you moving. And so they finally kind of coerced me and forced me to get out of bed. And I was kind of angry and wonder. I thought, man, what are these weirdos, man? And I thought it was like some kind of cult. Oh, yeah. I really did. I thought this place is like some kind of cult, man. Some kind of weird religious cult. They come I in would. with like all hoods. I'm like, what did I get myself into, oh my you know? But, um, and then, then the pain hit, you know, because I, I took pictures of my girls up there and I'm looking at pictures of them and like just all these memories and everything now there's no drugs to cover any of this, to numb any of this. And life, uh, life just comes, like 25 years of life comes down to like one focal point and it's just crushing geez. me. And I couldn't, I just looked at them pictures and sobbed. 
for like mm. days, days, just cried. And that's when um, I told you guys this at breakfast this morning. That's when uh, Pastor Sam come and um, grabbed me by my hand and pulled me into his office. And he goes, "Oh, you're broken. That's good." I'm like, "How is this good?" You know, um, my life's basically destroyed, and I'm at a place called Teen Challenge when I'm 39 years old. And he goes, "Because now you're teachable." And uh, mm. it wasn't really that profound in that moment, but in hindsight, it was that. And that brokenness was a blessing. And that divorce was was something that the enemy wanted to rip my family apart with and destroy me and drug addiction and destroy me. And now God is w- was able to use that and use that brokenness to get me to respond to him, to yeah. accept his invitation for life. And so, yeah. He redeemed it. Yeah, he redeemed it. Exactly. And he, and he, used, um, he used that. Isn't it cool how he can do that? Exactly. Yeah. Like only he can, and yeah. only he can allow brokenness or break you in only a way that he can do without you being totally destroyed. You well, know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like like it's a gentle breaking, right? And it's like 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 he didn't cause a divorce. The divorce, like like yes, he saw him, but like the divorce happened. He didn't like orchestrate it against you, but rather he orchestrated it for you, right? Yeah, and it's like like. I love like storytelling and like in writing. I, I I went to like university. Bit of a side note. I, I went to university for a little while, and I one of the things we studied was professional writing and creative writing. And what always fascinated me was like how writers can weave together narratives that have a very compelling like end like mm-hmm. to them. You know, and you look back and you're like, oh man, like you look at how it applies to life. And then I look at like throughout scripture, like you get a glimpse of that, like how the Lord is in a way is his own kind of like grand author of life, mm-hmm. you know, and the things that are for evil, he, he redeems. Yeah. 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 Things that were orchestrated by myself, my flesh, the enemy, you know, uh, Satan and that were were intended to destroy and rip rip apart. Um, God used and turned it <laughs> and used it for good. You know, it's so cool. And so, and then um, while I'm at Teen Challenge, you know, so it's a year long. It's a pretty and all the Teen Challenge. I mean, we have one over here in Elkhart. It's a great great place, man. But they're all run a little bit differently. The one I was at in Muskegon is a little more rigid, and 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 then the one in Elkhart is. And a little more structured you had it felt good to be in a place where i was told what to do every minute of the day and had a schedule because i couldn't make i was incapable of making a good decision <laughs> yeah you know i mean i couldn't yeah. do it i could not make a good decision so um you know we would get up and you had breakfast and there was a lot of little rules there like we would be sitting at an eight person table round table for breakfast and it'd be plated up and at the table when you got down there but if I ate all my food and you didn't, I couldn't have the rest of the food off your plate. There'd be one carafe of coffee sitting in the center of the table and we had these little tiny coffee cups and we each got one cup. There's a lot of coffee left, but nobody could have a second cup. Huh. It, and I thought, man, that made me so mad when I first got there. I was like, this is so stupid. I want coffee. I love coffee. And then, but it was about self-control. It was about not mm. just taking whatever I want, whenever I want and having how much of it I want. 
And so, I mean, rules in a way. Rules, yeah. yeah, yeah, There was a lot of rules, a lot of discipline. Just in little ways. In little ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so, it was a really great year. He gave me the grace for the place. I'm sorry to interrupt. Can... Do you mind painting like just a quick like little picture of what Teen Challenge was like for you? Like you can use like images or imagery, or you can talk about like some of like the like activities, mm-hmm. things you guys did. Because I'm I'm kind of just picturing like a a really nice like not campground, but like summer camp kind of, except with like people of all different ages. Yeah. Basically. Well, like the facility itself was in a little old elementary school, a little brick building. Okay. And there was four dorms there when I was there. I think there's more now, or four or five. And you had like 16 guys to a dorm, bunk beds, right? Okay, okay. And um, you had a common shower area. Like It was locker room style showers, eight at a time. And we had a cafeteria. And the daily schedule was like, it was on a nice piece of property in Muskegon, Michigan, not far from Lake Michigan, Um and then you had like a daily schedule, right? So like you get up at this time, there's a weekday schedule and then a weekend schedule. You get up at this time every day, it's lights on. Um, you have so much time to go to the bathroom, brush your teeth and be in line ready for call downs to go to breakfast. You go down to breakfast, you have so much time to eat breakfast and it's all operated by the students. So hmm. the kitchen staff, one, and it rotated through the dorms. We well, had your set kitchen staff which was still students, but then it rotated through dorms, like who was on serving dorm, who was on cleanup. So the kitchen staff would be getting the food ready. Then whoever's on serving dorm went down first. They set all the tables with the plates. Then the other, one of the other dorms was like cleaning up afterwards. You had so much time to eat. Then you went from that back up to your dorm, change clothes to get ready for chapel. Chapel was every day. You go to chapel, praise and worship and, and, uh, there was, you know, we had either Pastor Dave or Pastor McLean, who was the director, or Pastor Sam or somebody would preach and praise and worship. And then after that, you had like a 10-minute break. Then you had we had Bible classes every day, like two hours of Bible classes. Mm. You had two different phases. One was called lower growth. You went through for the first month, basic Christian development, and then an upper growth phase after that. And then um, you had, after that, then you would have lunch. You go through lunch, then you had work duties for four hours in the afternoon after lunch. So everybody had a job. There was grounds, there was custodial, there was, I can't remember what some of the other words were now, but everybody had a job to do for four hours and other guys were prepping for dinner. There was food prep and stuff like mm-hmm. that for dinner. And so um, you would do that and then have dinner. And then you had a little bit of free time after dinner. Guys would work out in, uh, or go out and walk. There's not a lot to do there. We had a lot of, we had about 20 acres out back. There was a ball diamond, there was a walking path, and there was an old set of golf clubs in the shed. And other than that, that was about it. Mm. And so, well, basketball, basketball as well. But you didn't have, I mean, nobody had phones there. You didn't have TV. You weren't bringing, you could have five books. You could only have five books beside the Bible. And if mm. the five books had to be checked by the pastoral staff to see if they were legit to be in there. Um, what books did you bring? I didn't bring any books. No books. Uh-uh. I think I acquired some over the time that I was there. People brought me some. but um, And so you had no outside communication with anybody um, throughout the week. Um, and then after, then you have dinner after free time. You'd have dinner, or you had dinner, then free time. And then after free time was over, we had prayer. 
and prayer, and you had to be on your knees with your eyes closed. Like, and staff would walk around. And check. And you better be talking to God. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah. so it was a very disciplined thing. And then after that, we had study hall because the Bible classes that we went through, we would have to do homework on and tests on and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's actually accredited. Like, I got my transcript somewhere. Like, I can actually apply that to, like, Bible school if I want to go to Bible school. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of cool. But, That's cool. So then after that, you'd have showers after that you'd go up you'd have enough time to get ready get your robe get your flip-flops on get your shower stuff then they would call you down by dorm oh and this whole time is called dorm life so there's no talking you cannot talk from study hall on till after showers till you do devos by dorm there used to be no talking you're just dead silent and you come down they'll call you down by dorm you'll line up at the showers and you'll go in at eight at a time four minute showers and somebody will be sitting out calling it off next eight you go in then like four minutes, and they got their watch. Three minutes, two minutes, one minute, thirty seconds. Water off. Next eight. Wow. And that's it's how it was. Regiment. It's like a, it's the military. That's yeah. how it was every day. That's cool. And then, <laughs> so <laughs> you didn't. Yeah, you know what? And and that's exactly what I need now. Elkhart's run totally different. A team challenge. You have different leadership there, and it's run different. But it's not wrong. It's just different. But I liked it. I needed that that structure like that. I just had to have that. Tell me what to eat because I don't know. Yeah. You know, tell me where to go because I don't Keeps know. Like I want to go to the Talking about it I now, nothing. I just <laughs> <laughs> talking about it now. It sounds horrible. Like I couldn't do that now. But I don't need to do that now. Yeah. And it, God gave me the grace. It was to, a tool. It was a tool. Right. Yeah. Because He asked me to submit to Teen Challenge as a tool that He's going to use in my life. Like I was as I was submitting to Him. Yeah. In his it offer for him. Life. It was for him. Yeah. 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 And, it was and, his tool. And you described that time. I loved the imagery you gave of the it. greenhouse. A greenhouse. That's amazing. It mm-hmm. was like a greenhouse in, in in that it provided the right environment for spiritual growth. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So and so to contrast, we've talked a little bit about during that time. It was very focused, right? It was laser focused and it was a greenhouse and, you know, it's a journey, right? I mean, like life is a journey and things look different for you now, right? right. Than they did back then. I mean, so, so maybe if you're, if you're willing go into a little bit of what, what your journey has been for you up till this point, basically. Okay. So like going through the 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 day-to-day teen challenge so i'm i'm there for a year um and i i get to get to the end of it i graduate well i just back up a little bit because through that process you know after i got clean from the drugs i was still so obsessed on my family on not having my family and wanting my fam wanting my family back and that was a tough one. So now I'm clean. I'm a few months in. I've got the drugs out of my system. I'm starting to, the fog's lifting. I'm starting to feel better physically. I'm starting to get appetite back. I'm starting to, 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 to feel good again. And, but my family, and I'm, and I'm still hanging on to that. I hadn't let go of that. And God was really working on me. You, I had to let go of that because you can't communicate with anybody in Teen Child. You get a five minute phone call on the weekend. And you can't talk to single females. And my wife was considered a single female time because we were divorced. We weren't married. You could talk to your kids, 
or you could get a five-minute phone call or a, or a two-hour visit if somebody came up. Well, Tara was coming up every weekend and bringing the girls, but I wasn't supposed to visit with her because we were divorced. Um, but we were. We mm. shouldn't have been, but we were. Some of the staff was allowing it to happen. Mm. Um, and I felt convicted about it, but I didn't mind. <laughs> um, but so I really had to surrender that. And I didn't know if God was going to restore my family or not. Mm. But I got to the point through working through it with Teen Challenge and talking with others and through prayer that I was able to pull my hands off and stop manipulating it. And if he restored it, he did. And I was at peace with it. If he didn't, then I'm excited to see what he has for me in my life. And I was at that place and I had surrendered it. <clears throat> I was out mowing one day during work duties, running the zero turn, and Pastor Dave, who was who was our men's director at the time, he was he was pretty stern and he was a bit of a disciplinarian, and sometimes you couldn't always tell if he was gonna drop the hammer on you or if he was in a okay happy mood or whatever. It was just kind of hard to read sometimes. And I'm out on the zero turn, and somebody comes running out, and they're like waving me down they're like get in here get in here pastor dave wants to see you in his office right now i'm like oh no i'm like i don't think i did anything i don't remember doing anything wrong and i go in there walk in his office he's like sit down i'm like crap what did i do and he's like i just got off the phone with your wife but 45 minutes she called up here to talk to me and she was crying and she's told me things i guarantee she's never told you and he goes he goes, God is wanting to restore your family. I know this. Oh, my goodness. And he goes, the ball's in your court. He goes, if you go back to that, he goes, it's forget about it. He goes, God wants to restore your family right now. So I'm going to open it up for her to come to visits as if you guys were married. You can talk on the phone with her, um, blah, 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 all this. You can write letters because you couldn't even write letters back and forth. Wow. You can write letters back and forth to her. He goes, you just totally can't go, cut off. You just can't go on any twenty-four hour overnight visits, right? Because you're not married. You're not married. Yeah. I said, oh, and I ran out of there. I was so ecstatic because I had surrendered it, and God said, "I'm going to restore." He honored it. it. He, he honored it in that surrender. He yeah. did. He restored it, and so I live back with them now. You know, but so yeah. So you were talking about like like her progression of it. So so now she's coming up for visits every weekend. That's great, man. I was super stoked about knowing that God's restoring my family. And so March, 2015 is graduation. So I graduate. Um, uh, they come up for my graduation. We stayed the night at a hotel up there in Muskegon and we're on our way home. I'm like, okay, man, I'm wow. I'm like, I've been there for a year and mm. I've been in this bubble, this protective bubble. Yeah. And now I'm walking out and I feel this like, Stepping into the unknown, kind of, what now? Yeah, you know, I go back to what I know. Like I need, I'm gonna need a job. Am I gonna go back to roofing? I'm like, no, that doesn't really. I don't think that makes sense to go back to roofing. That's probably I'm not. You know, that could be dicey. I could fall back into old stuff, hanging out there. You mm. know, but what am I gonna do? And God's, <laughs> and He told me He's like, on oh, this is like on the ride home from his key, and He's like, I I brought you. I didn't bring you through this year just to let you go. He goes, I've got a plan. I'm like, do you, he said, do you, here's it again. He's like, do you trust me? I said, I do, but I don't know. But what is it? But what? Yeah. You know, I'm like, he's like, I've got a plan. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but what? He's like, just 
you know, I've got a plan. I'm like, okay, all right. So we're on our way home. I haven't been home in a year. Well, I was home for, you get a three-day pass and a five-day pass. I was home for three days in October and five days around Christmas in December. But other than that, I was at home. And so I come home and on our way home, my sister calls and she goes, hey, we're having a, there's a function for the kids tonight because uh, she homeschools her kid and their co-op thing for homeschooling had an mm. art exhibit at a church in River Park. And she's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, I have no idea. I've been in Teen Challenge for a year. I'm like, I got no plans. I didn't have a license at the time either because I'd lost my driver's license. So I'm mm. like, beholden to everybody, whatever they're doing, <laughs> I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm, it's all like, right with you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so... She goes, well, you and Tara and the girls want to come to that? And mom and dad are coming. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I'm only home uh, just a few hours. And we have this event to go to in River Park at a church in a gymnasium. And in me, I'm just getting home. I can't wait to tell people what God's done in my life. I cannot wait to share how God set me free from drug addiction and who God is and what I know about God and the fact that he's real and he's active in our lives. And man, it's just like ugh, in me. I just can't wait bursting out from yeah. yeah and I, and we're in this gymnasium at this event and it's a gym and there's a lot of kids running around so it's noisy and echoey you know and they have like a little concession table set up um and there's cookies and juice and i think it was jenna maybe jenna and ran she's like i want some cookies whatever so okay so i go get in line with her and there's a guy over there talking and all of a sudden like all the noise the background noise in this gym is just like I can't hear it anymore. And I can only focus on this guy and hear his voice. And God tells me, he said, that's a man of God. And I want you to go talk to that man. And I'm like, okay. So we were at a church gymnasium. So I'm thinking in my mind, he must be the pastor of the church. He wasn't, but that's what I was thinking. And so I'm standing in line next to the guy now. And I go, Hey, how you doing tonight? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. I go, he goes, well, it's good to be here. And I said, yeah, it's good to be here. I said, it's good to be home. He goes home. He goes, well, are you from this area or what? I said, yeah, I am, but I've been gone for a year. And I don't think people really don't know what Teen Challenge is. And remember, I want to tell somebody what God's done in my life. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, where have you been for a year? I go, I've been at a place called Teen Challenge. And he goes, what? He goes, no way. He goes, tell me what God's been doing in your life. Wow. I go, what? Wow. <laughs> What'd you just ask me? He goes, what's God been doing in your life? Yeah. And so I was like, I can't believe you just asked me that. So that just led into a conversation and I met this man, which led to my first job coming out of Teen Challenge. Really? I, was just wow. asking, I was just asking the Lord, what wow. am I going to do now? Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is, was, that is really cool. Like, yeah. what did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> I said this. I want to tell somebody what God's been doing in life and that's what he asked me. Yeah. God pointed me to go talk to him. Dang. And so that led me to the job at the crossing. I worked for the crossing for three and a half years, which is where I met the guys that started Cultivate. One thing after another. <laughs> yeah. Like you're rounding the bases. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of how, and I'm sure I missed a lot of stuff in there. I'm sure there's a lot of other things, but, um, but kind of to your point, what you asked me a while ago, um, like, so you, like, Life post teen challenge, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because you mentioned it, and I think a lot of believers can identify with the feeling of a quote unquote honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. You know, and we mm. said it earlier how we hate to even say that. 
You yeah. Because it's like. It felt like I'm diminishing God when I say exactly. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the newness wore off, the shiny yeah. wore off of God. Like, yeah. really? Infinitely <laughs> eternal? Like, what are you Inexhaustible? Yeah. So I don't know, but like the, but the truth is we mature. Right. And I think that's probably the difference, right? It's just the maturing. Mm. So in the maturing process for you, mm-hmm. like what has been, what has been going on? Like what has been, yeah, you know, cause I know mm. there's a lot probably in that, but Man, it's been, it's been ups and downs, up and down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, coming out of teen challenge, there was that, there was that almost obnoxious, guess what God's done to tell everybody in, a, in almost in an obnoxious way, but just, just out of pure joy and excitement, just mm. genuine joy and excitement and wanting to tell people. And then that honeymoon phase, like it was all new it was this shock and awe. He hit me. I was blinded. Now I see. And I mean, I see what's, I see reality for the first time. I see what's going on in the world. I see how evil forces and, and God are, you know, just how things drive this world and how Satan is the God of this world and how things are being manipulated. And, but I'm just, it's all crystal clear. It's like he peeled back, he peeled back the veil. And and I want to tell people like, look, this is like, wake up, you know, this is what's going on. And I was so excited and, and I would drag my Bible around with me everywhere I went, man. And the covers are ripped off of it. Now it's falling apart because in team challenge, we had to take our Bible everywhere we went. Well, chapel in class. And so I was always dragging with me. That was the other thing. Uh, I was sitting in study hall reading the first couple of weeks because Book of John's the first thing you do, and I'm still sobering up and I'm reading John one one. I'm like, what does this even mean? Everything that has been made, there's nothing been made that hasn't been made. Blah blah blah. You know that first verse. Yeah. John? I'm yeah. like, what is this double in the beginning talk? Beginning was the word. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the word was with God. Well, the very first verse. Yeah, I forget how how it's worded now, but it's something like. There has nothing been made that hasn't been made. Everything's been made. I'm like, what? It's yeah, going through. You know what I'm talking it's about? It's a little Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. what's going on? And I didn't understand Love script. Stuff. And then one, but I kept pressing in. And one day, sitting in study hall, I don't know where I was at in the Bible. I'm like, whoa. And it just started coming alive to me. And I started running around and telling all the other guys. And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, we know. You know? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this book is like, it's all in here. It's like all in here. And I was so excited about scripture and so hungry for scripture. It jumped off the page. It jumped off the, and it came alive to me. It was sharp and it was active and it was living and it was, yeah. it was powerful and it was transforming and it was mm. all of those things. And every answer, every issue, there was a solution for it in there. And so I was so excited. I was driving my Bible. And so I'm at home now and everything is scripture. Everything's, and so I lived back with my mom and dad for a little bit. Now, Tara wants me to move back in with her and the girls, but I'm like, I don't know. You know, I know God's restoring this, but I want to take it slow. I don't think I should just move in there yet. So I move in with my mom and dad, like a month or two maybe. And um, there's a little story. So I forgot about this. So they, so I'm like taking a shower there one day. And don't think I was being um, seeking. I was just taking shower of the medicine cabinet. Medicine cabinet, they both had just had like knee replacements. There was a couple bottles of painkillers. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Mm. I saw him and it was just kind of this like, whew. 
Kind of looked at them and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't want those. But it's almost like this. It might sound kind of nuts, but maybe not. It's almost like the bottle spoke to me. Like, yeah, you want you want some of these. I'm like, yeah. mm, no, I I've been gone. I haven't touched that in a year. Wow. And and I don't Dang. want that. And that I just got set free from that. Yeah. It was the old life. But but you can to... you could have one and just enjoy a little. Just bit. Just one. You could have one and just enjoy a little bit. Just look at the bottle. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just pick it up. Yeah. Just, pick it just up. look at it. Maybe snake. take the lid off. It smell it. Remember that? Talking. Remember that yeah. smell of that? I was yeah. like, yeah. and yes, yeah. and very much like that. And so I'm like, no. I shut the medicine cabinet. Then I think I opened it again. Then I yeah. shut the medicine cabinet. Then I think I opened it again. <laughs> oh no, uh, that's the first hook. Yeah, right. If and once like, the no, hook no, no, is no, no, in, no. the fish. So is... then I'm like, okay, get dressed, walk away, walk away. <sighs> but I know they're in there. Yeah. Man, I just came out of Teen Challenge, man. What? Like, I just been set free. What? Why would I? Like I'm having this conversation. Like, why would I do that? I just I'm I'm free of it. Mm. I'm excited about what God's doing. <sighs> now. Yeah, but it's a nice day out. Grab your bike, go on a ride, just pop one. It'd be a nice, enjoyable bike ride. Or you feel great. It'll be. It's literally. I can be, hear it. It's that. That's the voice. Yeah. 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 It's it's it'll like be, it's it'll be it'll be the good. fight's not Lucrative. over. Lucrative. It'll be the, good. the war. No, the fight is not the over. It wasn't over. Yeah. That's no. right. No. Mm. And so I'm like. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably do. And now that because now I'm good, so now I can handle taking just one. Right, right. Because like, oh, I'm, I'm not like I was. I'm not like I was. Right, right. Mm. So I, I can handle one. So I was like, you know what? I go in there, and it's almost like I had to force my hand. It's like uh, it's like this. It's such a. I pop one out, look at. It, I'm like, no, yeah, no, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm like, I threw it in my mouth. I went to swallow it, and I almost choked on it. I started choking. Actually, it got stuck in my throat. I really? Grab, I grab a glass of water. I, I forced it down. I forced it down. I'm like, oh, no. I just did it. I did it. I was, I was like choking. I was like, you know how when it gets caught in your throat yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like a candy, hard candy or something. You ever do yeah. that with a hard candy and it gets caught in your throat? Well, I got it down. I'm like, no, no. Why did uh, I do that? You know, I'm, oh, now I'm like. Shame. Yeah, distraught. Yeah. Well, I'll grab my bike and go on a ride. So I take off on a ride. Well, it starts to affect me. I'm like, I don't know if I don't really like it. I couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't enjoy it. Mm. Right? Because I've got this conviction of yeah. the Holy Spirit. I feel the I feel the effect of this chemical hitting my bloodstream and you hitting my brain. Physical. I feel it physical. Yeah. But I can't enjoy it. But I bet if I took another one, I could probably enjoy it. <laughs> That's a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. So I went and took another one. You did take I another did. one. Wow. Yep. Once the hook is in. I couldn't enjoy that. I bet if I took a third one, I'd enjoy it. But I better be careful because my tolerance is way down now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't have the time. I used to be able to do like, the amount that would kill somebody. Took the was third just one. So I don't know if I took the third one or not, but the next day I did. Okay. And then I couldn't enjoy that. In fact, I kind of just feel icky. It doesn't feel good anymore. It just feels icky. It makes me my body feel icky. Yep. Well, but I bet you I take a couple more, I'll probably feel good. So I took a couple more. And now they're starting to build up in my system. I'm starting to feel real nasty, Weird. just nauseated and tired and lethargic and just not good. It's not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You're, you feel sick I spiritually. Feel sick spiritually, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I couldn't believe what am I? I'm like, what am I doing? It's like I'm doing something against my will that I don't want to do, but I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. It's Romans 7. Yeah. That which I don't want to do, I do. 
the good I want to do, I don't, but the right. evil I don't want to do, I do. That I do. And I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm like, how? I'm like, this is... And so I hadn't... Nobody really knew I was home yet. And I hadn't been looking for work yet. Um, outside of having that... Well, I didn't know about the that the conversation with Rich was, was leading to... Uh, was leading to a job. I just met the guy, but I didn't know that was leading to a job yet. And I hadn't, I hadn't contacted the union hall roofers yet to let them know I was home and maybe go back on the roster to be called for work. Mm-hmm. I was just laying low at mom and dad's. And, um, so I'm, so one day and my dad, he was getting suspicious now and they had a spare bedroom that I stayed in. And I'm like, I don't feel good this morning. And he's look, and I could see the look in his eye. He's like, he could see it in my eyes, but he didn't say it. But I know he could see it. We've never talked about it either. But I know he, he was looking at me like, this looks like the same old, same old. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh. You were I, convicted even more. I probably. went through that year to come back out. And everybody was coming to my graduation so happy and all this. And oh, and I'm telling people, guys in my life, to go back to the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe it. I felt, I can't describe how I felt. I'm laying in this bedroom. It's the middle of the day because I, at this point, I'm feeling sick. I can't get up. I don't feel well at all. So I'm just laying down all day. And my phone rings, and I didn't tell anybody I was home. I don't know how they knew. Charlie, who was our local 23 union president, called me. He's like, "Hey, I heard you were home. You ready to come back to work?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I guess, man." Oh, this is the roofing place? Yeah, this is my, yeah. my union president for Local 23. I said, I said, yeah, sure. I said, he goes, I got the perfect job for you, man. He goes, uh, you know, I heard you went through all this and got cleaned up. I'm proud of you. All the while, I'm sick from eating so many painkillers right now. Oh. And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, come on down to the hall. I just need you to go take a drug test, and you're back on the roster. I'm like, I'm like, seriously? I just went through this year, and I can't pass the drug test right now. Mm. I was so I couldn't believe it. You, I bet you were sick. I was sick. Yeah, I was sick, man. And um, got a call with your pants down, kind of. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, so I I was like, what am I gonna do? I said, okay. I'm like, what am I doing? What is going on? So I don't know if it was the next day or later <laughs> that day. I called Charlie back. I said, dude. I said, uh, here's the truth of it, man. I said, yeah, I went. I was gone for a year. I got home. I said, uh, I just popped a couple painkillers. I can't pass a drug test. All right, no problem, man. I'll buy you some time. Three days enough? I said, yeah, should be. He goes, okay, man, I'll stall them. Come back in three days. Wow. Because right, they're used to that. You know what I mean? There is like no shock. He goes, sure. Well, he's, he's like, yeah, I thought you cleaned up. I said, I did. I did. Yeah, I know what I did. And, yeah. blah, blah, blah. and I just told him straight up. He's like, yeah, oh, no problem. I'll buy you some time. Give me three days enough? I said, yeah. I said, cool. And I hung up the phone, and God was like, you're done. This is it. You, If you go back to this, you're going to die. There is no more grace on this. Wow. Wow. This is it. That was a pinpoint moment of like, yep. this or nothing. Kind yep. Of, wow. this, this is it. No more of this. And I was like, okay. And then I, I, that was it. Done. After that, I was like, thank you for your grace again mm-hmm. on this. And I did go back to roofing for a short time. I worked for uh, Ton and Blank for just uh, one job in Mishawaka. And I did that. And then uh, 
I, I, that relationship with Rich Graham, the guy that I met that asked me what God had been doing in your life, then that led me to working at the crossing. And I did that, and that was that was a great experience. Totally. It was something I would have never wanted to do. Uh, I never wanted to be like a teacher in any capacity. Yeah, I was a job training coach there, but I never mm. wanted to work with teenagers. Crazy. God's like, that's what I got for you. I'm like, but I don't want to do that. And God used that. <laughs> and God he used, used that. that. Yeah. Yeah. He used that. Way. Yeah. So there was that, and so work. You know, and so yeah, the honeymoon phase, right? And then yeah. so I was just, I was so. Always in prayer, always in scripture, you know, and um, getting hooked up with Radiant Church. I love, I've known John and Ramona since. Shout out to John and Ramona. <laughs> yeah, shout out to John, John and Ramona. Ramona Wilson. I've known John and Ramona Wilson. I've always was drawn to John Wilson, always from the time, because I've known him since I was a little kid. Because the church that I used to get dragged to when I was younger was Calvary Temple, which is okay. Southgate now. Okay. And that's where John and Ramona were. <laughs> and I was always just drawn to to John Wilson, you know. And so getting hooked up with Radiant Church and John. And John and Moni actually came up and visited me at Teen Challenge. Did they? Because wow. I hadn't talked to him in years. But something led me to call, get find him before I went to Teen Challenge. Wow. And I talked to him before I went to Teen Challenge, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so so he come up, they come out and see me. So that was that was amazing. And getting hooked up with, with Radiant Church. And I knew that was where I was supposed to be. It was at Radiant. And, and following the Lord. And then it's like... But here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of the sanctification process, man. Mm. And, and all these other underlying things that I never realized that were in me, like covetousness and idolatry mm. and all these things um, started coming out. And uh, pornography was always, always part of my life since I was young, mm. you know. Mm. And it was always there. And it was always... You mentioned, I don't know if it was earlier when we were at breakfast or earlier since we've been doing the, the podcast, but I think it's both. something about it being like a drug. Yeah. And I totally believe that it is. It, it, it totally has the yeah, same you, effect. You have the, you have the perfect perspective, to, the amount of experience to be able to compare the two. Oh, yeah. For someone who hasn't done drugs, like yeah. physical drugs. And so that's, so i've talked about like the undulating the up and down of my walk with the lord and lately it's been tough i've been in a spot where i've lost that discipline but i don't know in the the battle to to fight fight off pornography has become almost overwhelming mm. and at times it, it makes me just want to not fight it and mm. just give into it yeah and I've had this conversation with God about you broke drug addiction off of me like like this. You took like you go to rehabs and um, AA. It's always about you're talking about how are we not going to use drugs today? That's the focus. It's like, how am I not going to use today? What are my who am I going to call? Is, which almost feels like a. How long until I relapse? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Honestly. It's like it's like a bad yeah. diet. It's yeah. like how long until I have to get another Cinnabon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like mm. Yeah. And so how about are we KFC and why we don't want to go that <laughs> Yeah. And it's so, so greasy. <laughs> yeah. Seasonings. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Anyway. Yeah. So when God broke the drug addiction off of me, it wasn't like I don't think today, like, how am I not gonna use? I don't have a taste for it. I don't want it. 
I don't yeah. desire for it. I don't yeah. have to like fight off the urge, the yeah, the yeah, cravings, yeah. the cravings, because yeah. I don't have cravings. Yeah, I don't want it. There's no desire for mm-hmm. it. Now that's not true with pornography. Yeah. Um, that's not true for that. And I and I have this conversation with God all the time. Like, why don't you break that off? Like you yeah. broke off drug addiction because you don't like it. And I don't like it because it gets in between me and you, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just been, it's been a battle and I've tried so many things. I'm like, I don't need anybody's help with it. I don't need covenant eyes. I don't need a counselor. I don't need this. I don't need that because it's just between me and God and God can set me free of it. Right. But he uses other, he used teen challenge as a tool. So I'm like, okay, then I'll do the covenant eyes thing on my phone. Right. So I do that and I get an accountability partner and Mm -hmm. that works for a while. Yeah, but then I, when these cravings pop up, the desire is so strong to get it, I you go don't really somewhere care. Else. circumvent, yeah, them. or circumvent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what I did. I got covenantized for a little while, mm-hmm. but I think it was also a little different. Maybe I think I was probably in a different headspace and also different part of my spiritual journey. Mm. For me, it was more just like I knew it was bad and I wanted to stop. I wasn't. I don't think I was as close with God. <sighs> in a different spot with God I think on like why I did why I was trying to stop mm. I think it kind of came from a place of shame and just wanting it out of my life so I didn't have to feel ashamed of it and it, I kind of yeah like like you said you weren't necessarily aware of the sanctification before with some of your other issues but like for me I, I've mm. forgotten the, the sanctification side of it the whole point was to not just stop doing the bad things but to focus Focus on Christ. I, th- I think that sanctification, that word, has really taken on a lot of new meaning for mm-hmm. me because I struggle with that too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of men do. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know the percentages, but again, it's got to be most. It's got to be, a, I think well, it's in the two thirds range. I, well, I think. I think I did not talk about like sex like at all with people as a kid, family, friends, you name it. I didn't really bring it up. But it was still a very prevalent part of my like my thoughts and my psyche because like like I knew about like oh like save save sex for marriage, you know, like and like be be pure before God and whatever. That's one of the things to be pure about. But like I don't think I necessarily got some of the really potent lessons and truths about are like sexuality as like men and women. Um, and like we touched on the Matthew passage a few weeks back in our Bible study and talked about how Jesus mentions that some people are made eunuchs by men. Some people make themselves eunuchs for Christ. For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Right. Um, but he said, but he, and Eunuch uh, is a term that's, uh, at least in that time, it was for someone who was basically like castrated, castrated. so that they, yeah, they were like, it often happened to servants and slaves. Um, but in this term, I think he was using it somewhat figuratively. Like they make themselves as eunuchs, not to say they literally, you know, but like, and he said, but he finished that point to say, but it is not for everyone. And... That's, I think that's helpful to me because it helps me see that like, we're not all the same, you know, 
Like, yes, we are all equal in our salvation, you know, through Christ, but we don't all have the same characteristics and like personality, you know, something we have different strengths. Yeah. So something, um, different gifts. I'll link it in the video, but it's John MacArthur. Mm. He talks about, um, sanctification and, um, about the, and I, I want to just listen to it again and chew on it because, um, it, you know, he's, he talks about like the fear and trembling, like mm-hmm. work out your salvation with fear. Is and that trembling. the guy you sent me Probably. that video of Yeah, about you sanctification? Watched, yeah. That's John MacArthur. That's John MacArthur. Okay. For some reason, yeah. the name MacArthur makes me think of some guy from like the 1800s or something. Yeah, me too. I was surprised when I first saw who John MacArthur was because yeah, I yeah. kind of put him in the same, when I first heard the name, I, for some reason, put him in the same category as Charles Spurgeon. Okay. You know, old school. You know. I, I was even thinking, what's that old English translation of the Bible? The King James? King James? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. who, who, what's the name? It's like an, a very English sounding name, but he's not alive anymore. And that's kind of no, where sure. I, I lumped it. I can't think yeah. of it now, but anyway. I don't know. But I'll, I'll yeah, there's, there's something to it. It's like, it's so tough because like we know, okay, we are righteous in Christ. Yeah. You know, like... And yet, at the same time, we have those battles of temptation, and ultimately, it all boils down to idolatry. And it's like it's not through just knowledge of these things that we can overcome them. Like, because because it's kind of like similar with the drugs, where it's like you have every reason in your head, right? Like, why you shouldn't, you know, logically. You know, but that doesn't do any good, right? If we still do them, right? (laughs) Right. So. Something has to has to give, and it boils down to I think overcoming, right? Like that's our that's our destination, overcoming in Christ, you know, through Christ and through the Spirit, and yeah. I think I think the other thing is for me, I found success when I am not thinking constantly to myself throughout the day. Oh, I'm not going to do this. Oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not. You know, like don't wreck. You said don't focus on it. Instead of doing that. Have a discipline in the morning or evening at some point where you spend time with God, read the scripture, and also have something where you say, today I put on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. I think the armor of God is a very important thing. Because for, for me, it's been so great. Every time, I, every time I have done this, literally like every time I've done this in the morning, when I in the morning, I prayed and I said, today I'm putting on the full armor of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when I took the time in the morning... The entire day I've been clean, mm. you know, mm-hmm. the entire day I've been, cause, cause I, cause the Lord does not fail. Right. The Lord mm-hmm. does not fail when we invite him to deliver us through things. Mm. It is, it is when we don't, here's the thing is that armor is there, it's available, but if we're not putting it on, it doesn't do us any good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And the other thing, I forget where I heard this from. More recently, I th- maybe we did we talk about this in our last episode, but we talked about how, or at some point, I heard about how like to be sorry, <laughs> to be um, a, like even when you arrive home at the end of the day after a long day of work, you can feel tired, right? It's a great example of when you feel tired and you just want to relax, you just want to rest, you just want to do this, <laughs> but it's like like and you can relate it to like to that scenario too, but it's like. Even when you're home, 
ex- like be be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. Be be ready for a yeah. battle. Yeah. Don't seek a battle. That's when the battle comes. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. seek yeah. a battle. Don't go looking for trouble. That's what I was gonna say. But just always have that. Hmm. Yeah. Because all it takes is a foot in the door almost, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. For a lot of times, I, I, I really, you know, what you're saying is like, I, I can start my morning out strong. Yeah. I can start my morning out strong. But it's like my, uh, and it's so weird to me because I don't, I don't feel like it should be this way, but it's been my experience that it is this way. My my flesh and my my spirit are so close together. When I get tired, that f- I, yes. I feel yes. spiritually right. Wore out too. Like, so at the end of the day, I feel more susceptible to right. letting my guard down spiritually as well. Like I'm physically wore out. Yeah. Like you know, I, I it, felt that way too. Go ahead. Go no, you go go for it. No, you you were finishing. Oh. No, 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 you go. <laughs> no, 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 you go. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, more that's polite. That's really all I wanted to say. Yeah, I'm more polite. That's really all I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, yes, but yeah. you are. Give me the mic. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, no, but like yeah, like when I feel sick, like in the past I've felt sick and then when I feel sick physically, like spiritually I start to be like, "God, why is this happening?" you know, like uh, but it's like, I mean, you you caught a bug, you caught a germ. Yeah. It's not a, it's doesn't mean you're like going to hell you know it's like i love i love to um where paul says like um you know he some translations say like i discipline my body yeah others say like i beat, beat my, my body. body into submission yeah that's some strong language <laughs> it is you know yeah it is is yeah. he talking about flagellation or whatever Flatulation? <laughs> no, not flatulation. Flogging? Flogging. Flogging um, himself? Well, I think about Whipping it himself? similar to, to working out. Yeah. You know, where... Yeah. Or or fasting. Or fasting. Yeah, fa- or fasting, fasting, I think, know? is a huge connection yes, there. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I, and I really think that's what I need to move into. I've never done it. I've never fasted. Have you? I have. No, I have. I, I have, and, I, and I'll tell you. Because that means I can't eat. And I like yeah, to eat. I, know, right? <laughs> I don't want to lose these games. Well, I'll tell you, like when I when I have, first of all, our fasting is before God, but also too right. that it's an element of training to say to deny the flesh, to deny the flesh, deny the flesh, and that's the big thing in yeah. this in the sexual thing mm-hmm. is the flesh. It's the flesh. Because here's the thing: God did not create in us a natural. A, a a legitimate use for drugs. Like there's no there's no biblical prescription right. where it says, okay, uh, here's an outline of how you can use drugs how the right way. The it was way. never it's it's sorcery is what it is if you yeah, look into it. Drugs pharma. is sorcery. It's pharmacia, which is sorcery. It's huh. it's sorcery. It's wi- it actually boils it's down witchcraft. To witchcraft. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And and there's no legit Science use craft. for drug use, <laughs> but. Sex, there is a biblical outline yeah, for how sex true. is supposed to be used. That's true. And, and it's something that, it's a drive that we have in us that's been corrupted and distorted. Yeah. It's been twisted. Mm. So it's different. It, it's, that's God the created difference. sex. He did not create me to enjoy getting high on any drug. That's right. not a thing. Right. And he but created you is. to get hungry and for created, food. Yeah. Right. And um, mm. there's a, uh, well, so I think that that yeah. that kind of makes it there's a tougher thing because it is a thing that's that's in us that's not bad it's not wrong but we have to learn to bring the flesh into subjection yeah. to the spirit oh, to the spirit to control mm. that you know and it's hard man mm. it's not easy no it's not it's not easy and I get so and I beat myself up so much because I fail and I'll have wonderful periods of victory totally and i'll be so close with the lord i'll be mm. so and the power, close with the lord and the power 
Because the enemy knows that, like, when, when we get off track or whatever, right, it keeps us in condemnation and shame. And he knows that, and that's why he tries to keep us there in the first place. Because he knows when we're walking in victory, literally the power of the gospel, the true power, is just mowing over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he, 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 it's, yeah, he wants to keep us there yeah, yeah. and whipping ourselves. Totally. And, 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 and you feel, and I will lock myself up. I won't pray. I won't read my Bible because how can I go to God? I was just in this sweet communion with him for the last X amount of time, right? right? Months, yeah. weeks, days, years, whatever. And then I went back to that. Yeah. Like, I can't go to him now. Like, how could I? Like, mm. I'm, I feel like a traitor. Like, yeah. I betrayed him. Like a like coat. Uh, yeah. yeah. You feel, you feel, well, worse because like you compare yourself to people who like don't have never experienced God and you're like, I'm worse than them because not only did I, you having know, known, go from that and then now having known, I have gone back. So you see yourself as a hypocrite. Yeah. Like that's how I felt. Yeah. It's been like, oh man, like I'm the lukewarm guy. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's yeah, how yeah. I feel. All that I'm stuff, like all the stuff you read in Hebrews, like, like to, to having tasted the, uh, I can't even say of the that. eternal gift or, yeah, yeah you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. And then to have turned your back and go back and it's like, Ugh. yeah. And yeah. I'm grieved, man. And, and this, this up and down and how can I keep going back to it? You know, mm-hmm. one, one thing that always brings me hope about going back to the Lord is like, trying not to stay away from him for too long because he'll let us back. Like, Peter, right? When Peter, he said, you'll deny me three times. He's like, no, I won't. No, no, I'll die with you. He's like, yeah, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows or whatever. Mm, Rooster crowed three times. And Peter was like, the reality of it hit him that he did that. And Mm -hmm. he says that he went away and was grieved. You can always, it's that same sense that we feel when we're in that sweet fellowship with the Lord and then we go into that sin and you're like, oh, I can't believe I hurt the one that means so much to me that I went against what he said. And that's got to be how Peter felt. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't know the guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Peter, you got to just believe he's in this depressed, like beating himself up state for however long. Yeah. And I think there was two times then. So then Jesus gets crucified. I think there was two times where then he appeared to the disciples. I think Peter was there. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. And then um, it was, I think it was the third time and Peter was obviously there this time and we'd have to look in scriptures. I don't remember, but they're on the boat and they see him on the shore and Peter jumps out of the boat and starts swimming to shore. And it says the other of them start to turn the boat. And he's like, he's he's swimming, swimming to the shore to, to see Jesus after. And the last thing he, last interaction he had with him was when he denied him. And so, and then what does Jesus do when he gets the story? He makes some breakfast. Oh, yeah. He he made, because he had fish. Yeah, yeah, they had broiled fish. Yeah, they oh had breakfast. Oh, my gosh. You know, and he restored him. He restored him. He said, do you love me? For the three times he denied he, him, and then three times he said, do you love times. me? Asked him three times. He asked him three times, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So. Well, he's the, what, what does he say? He says, feed my lambs. What does he say next? I don't know. Yeah, exactly, I, I couldn't. But, but yeah. So follow we can me. always go back to him. Doesn't he say follow me? I don't remember. I'm gonna feed okay. <laughs> my sheep. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just it's it's really it's really tough. Yeah. When you can't get when you feel like you can't get victory. 
you know, over that. Yeah. And knowing what he's done in your life. Yeah. And what that relationship means. And well, think, yeah. And I think he has it in store. He has it in store for, and, and that's part of our testimony, I mm. think, is walking through that. Just like how when you first came to him, you had these things, you were walking through them. Um, right. You know, I mean. Yeah, like, kind of like when um I mentioned that I knew that God, I said yes to his invitation for life. Mm-hmm. All the while I was still doing drugs exactly. over that course. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's just growing. And, and not that we like condone like it's not like oh god's with me so i'll go ahead and do this and then one day he'll like it's not that it's not that it's take take care take diligent care to seek after you know what he has for us Mm -hmm. um but knowing that he's gonna you know walk us through that yeah process but um i think you're really on to something with the fasting because he's really been the last oh i don't know while few months Fasting has been like something that's like, that's what I need to do. That's what I need. And that might be, and I've been putting it off yeah, because I like to eat. I yeah. don't want to not eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to fast for the first time for a colonoscopy, my first colonoscopy a few months ago, uh-huh. back, well, back in September. And it wasn't that bad. It's really And not. I wasn't doing it to seek the Lord. I did it because I had to exactly. medically. <laughs> like the yeah. first, the first little while, the first day was kind of hard. But by the time I got to yeah. the second day, I'm like, I was kind of over the hump. Yeah. And I was like, well. Eh. First eight hours are kind of tough. The night is really hard. Uh-huh. After that first day, it's like, I can keep going. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. And then then the next day was the procedure. Yeah. And then after the procedure, I'm like, oh, I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need food. I food. Went food. right to Jimmy John's. But, but I think, honestly, because I feel like what you <sighs> said is like, because it's about mastery over the flesh yeah. and that's what fasting is about it's about yeah. denying the flesh yeah like i need food no you don't you'll be all right yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> i like how late no you're not <laughs> no, no you don't you'll, you'll be good so let's um let's pray yeah before we wrap this up yeah, here okay. let's pray um because and Make sure to hold that. <laughs> that mic. I thought we were gonna huddle. <laughs> no, no, no. Huddle. But, yeah. Let's pray because I think other people who watch this testimony means do it again, right? Do it again, God. That's what it means. Yeah, that's, that's literally what, that's like a definition. Of it. Wait, what? That. Yeah, it's like a seed. I didn't know that. A testimony is a seed. Wait, can, okay. you, can you explain that testimony? So, so it's like the root of the word. Like if you look at like etymology. A, etymology. I yeah. love etymology. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. Too. I love etymology, but. But yeah, it basically boils down to do it again, do it again, God. Okay. Know? So, so, so that do it said, again. Yeah. Do it again, God, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and mm. not only that, but we talk about, he's brought us out of Egypt and we are facing things with him and we are growing and we are moving towards something greater, right. That he has for us. Mm. So let's pray yep. for the people watching and for us to walk in that, walk in that victory and whatever that looks like, you know, because we want that, right? Come on. Come yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we want that. Yeah, we want that. Yeah, yeah, we want that. Yeah, heck yeah. So, yeah. Let's pray real quick. Um, I'll start, and maybe you want to finish? Sure. Okay, so I'll start. Clockwise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My brain needs to know that. <laughs> okay, cool. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are, you will do it again. Mm. Lord, we know um, that you're going to provide victory. 
you have won the victory already, Lord. We pray to walk in it, God. We pray to seek it diligently, Lord. We want um, we want you more than anything, Lord. And so um, we just pray this in your name, Lord. Thank you, God. I thank you for Greg. I thank you for bringing him here and sharing his story, Lord. And just ask that you bless him on his way, Lord. For his family, God. He talked about reuniting his family. Lord, may you just... Um, Pour out your grace on his on his family, Lord. May his family flourish, and uh, we just pray this in your name, Lord. Father, I just thank you for um, for Greg. I also thank you for Greg um, and for him coming on here, Lord. You you use our our weaknesses and to glorify you and to show what you do for the world through your Son through the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I just thank you for that because it's life-giving. Mm. It is joy. To the world, it's death. Mm. The flesh part of me hates it. <laughs> but it's because it's being put to death, Lord, and the Spirit's being made alive. So mm. I, just, I just thank you for that. And I pray that, Lord, for for my family personally, Lord, um, and for all of us, yes, Lord. Lord. And I just pray for Greg too and for his family, Lord. Um, I just ask that you would restore and redeem and sanctify, mm-hmm. renew. Yes, renew, all of us. Repeatedly okay. in fill of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Because you are gentle. You are, I think someone has said you are a gentleman. You don't force yourself, Lord. You simply are there. So I just say thank you, mm-hmm. Lord. Father God, thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives, Lord. Mm. Thank you for new life. Lord, I pray that this this podcast will be used to glorify you, Lord, mm. and to, as a tool, to call people out of darkness, yes, Lord, Lord, and to point them towards you. Not to me. Not It's mm. not about me. This is just a story about what you've done Amen. for me, Lord. Mm. It's all you. you. You did this, and I'm forever grateful, Lord. Thank you for saving me and pulling me out of a pit and putting my feet on solid ground. Yes, Lord. And I pray that this can be used as a as a catalyst, as a conduit to reach others, Lord. Mm -hmm. That it glorifies you. I pray, Lord, for the success and the uh, um. Well, just the success of this BNG podcast, Lord. What a <laughs> what an honor to be able to be the first guest on this. I've, these dear friends of mine, dear brothers, and I pray that this is a successful thing for them, Lord, and that they have a, a ministry here, Lord, and that this just takes off. Yes, Lord. That'd be so cool. Amen. Um, Lord, I thank you, and I asked uh, for your grace and your mercy to continue for all of us yes, moving Lord. forward through this sanctification process, mm-hmm. Lord. Thank you for your patience with us. We love you. We desire you. Mm-hmm. We we want to be holy yes, as Lord. you are holy. Yes, we do. We, we that's what we want, Lord. Yes, our Lord. flesh and and our flesh is men. I think is 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 is, is such a monster, Lord. And mm-hmm. it's so hard because we live with this flesh, Lord. We live in the reality of our flesh on this earth, Lord. So help us, help us, Lord, as Walk we as we step into things obediently. Come up underneath that, Lord, yes, okay. and, and 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 blow on that. Mm-hmm. As if we decide to fast, Lord, then we make the decision to fast. 
I ask that you then move on our obedience to fast, Lord, mm. and give us power, empower us to gain mastery over our flesh, because we desire to live lives pleasing in your sight. Yes. It's what we want. We don't yes, want to be Lord. apart from you, Lord. Mm. Amen. And so I thank you for, for everything you've done here today, and I pray that this goes out and uh, points people toward you, Lord, Amen. for uh, life-changing transformation yeah. for for all those that hear it. Yes, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' in name, name, amen. 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 Yes. amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, hey. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. It was awesome yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs>